podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, here he is. Woo! The sensation, Jason Gavon! He's the fucking champion of the world! Megaman! Nadal is Stevenson, piece of shit. No, I think Rosado is a good boy. Rosado is a good boy. I've become a massive international superstar, it's as simple as that. I eat your ass all alive, you bitch! Scared of the real man! I'll fuck you till you love me, faggot! I'm going to physically shoot David Hay. Hey, he fucking glassed me. Hey, he glassed me. Derek, who down? I'm Shannon Bridge. I'm hard to kill. I'm the black team the ball. I'm hard to fucking kill. Well, I believe Christopher can take a punch. I'm very good at math and looking at the fighter and seeing what his abilities are. I can't see that Golovkin has anything like Christopher's speed, his power. His punching ability, his jump speed, his foot movement, I don't see that from a calculating point of view, I don't see that he has anything like that. So then it's going to come down to heart. You know, I spoke to Joe Gallagher, they don't want to fight Carl Frampton. And the bottom line is, you know, no disrespect to Boss Branker, these guys aren't good enough to face Carl Frampton. I'm the best heavyweight champion in the world. I'm happy I'm only PC with me. I'm undefeated champion, undisputed champion. I want good next. He's got my Dino Rybo nucleic acid. Undisputed heavyweight champion of the world, next? I love boxing sound. It's as simple as that. Well, hello everybody and welcome to the 423rd edition of the Boxing Asylum Nutters podcast. I'm your host, Steve Wellings. Joining me on the call tonight, we have Ben Faruqi, Matty DiGelanado, Ozzy Smith and a hologram representing Andy Patterson. What a time zone are you in there tonight, Andy? Um, time zone, mate. Uh, fuck knows, man. Fubar to fuck, I can tell you that. Uh, interesting, interesting night last night. I had to walk back a lot of things. So I'm going to go through my phone, try to trace steps and stuff. Um, forgot all about the Sky Card. Well, I watched it, but I forget. I forgot anything that happened. It. Did you um, find your wallet though? Um, uh, listen, mate, my, my, my wallet's Ivy's plank. Nobody gets to find it. <laughs> but, uh, nah, I noticed. I apparently bombed into my bed about one a.m. Uh, this morning. That was after like twelve hours on the sauce. So um, I'm a bit fragile, mate. I seen a picture of some guy outside Ibrox actually hanging for a lamp post. I wish that was me for a rope actually this morning. That's who fucking bad I was, but um, I'm 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 kind of I'm coming back though. I had a nice wee Burger King there, so it settled pretty well. It's not gonna come back on me yet, so um, we'll we'll survive just now at least. Good stuff, Andy. Good to have you with us, indeed. Andy mentioned the Sky Card then. Lucky him, he managed to miss it. We'll be discussing that later on. Joshua Barazzi against Dos Santos. Bit of Josh Taylor Ramirez next week. Questions, Bell of the Weeks, all the other lovely stuff. Just to remind you, we're going live on YouTube as you probably know already from eight o'clock every Sunday evening. 
the Patreon RSS feed updates shortly after the show concludes. Hello to everybody in the chat there, having a great time. There's a good 10,000 or so uh, bubbling around there, like the pub that it is, uh, going live during the week as well. Well, you can hear us during the week anyway on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Don't forget to leave a review on the podcast player of your choice throughout the entire month of May. Nothing less than five stars is acceptable. We'll start off with you then, Andy, seeing as you're in one piece, uh, maybe things will deteriorate <laughs> as the evening goes on. Yeah. The Dignity Health Sports Park sounds like somewhere you, you yeah, should be at the moment. Yeah, I could go there right there, I can tell you about some detox. <laughs> in Carson, California, the former StubHub centre, it was a fight befitting of the StubHub itself. Brandon Figueroa knocking out Lewis Neri in the seventh round. Fair play to Andy. He called the Figueroa win. I was watching without the commentary, Andy. Figueroa just looked like the bigger, stronger guy, pushing Neri back, using his strength to bully him and a great body shot to finish it that Neri just could not recover from. He was relentless, to be honest with you, mate. I caught it this morning, kind of sitting there in a, in a haze. So if I miss out anything, I apologise. But um, yeah, I mean, look, I think it took him a wee bit just to kind of step into the fight, kind of like just kind of get, get kind of warmed up. Um, I did notice one of the scorecards was, was it Lou Marette? I think it was he was like way wide for Lewis Nenny something like 59-55 or something and the other one's like 58-56 to, to mm-hmm. Figueroa and, and, yep. and one card even that's just shocking but you know, as I said I think Figueroa was you know, far aggressive far bigger just just kept pumping that, the, the shots in, in at the body and Nery just you could just see him visibly you know wearing down his, his, his punching was kind of like more kind of arm punches a great left hand at the body to finish the to finish the fight. Um, I know Gabe will be happy. I'm I'm quite happy with that one as well. I called it. I did expect it to kind of go later, the kind of stoppage, but um, I'm happy with that. Um, Neri's, you know, he's been playing the game for a wee bit with with uh, with the drugs and the the weight situation. Ideally, for him at least, he should be doing it one eighteen. I thought that told there last night with Figueroa's size, etc. Um, just just on Figueroa, actually, I think um, just like his brother Omar. I guess Omar his brother. Eh? Um, he might have a very, very short prime, shall we say? So I just think his style needs to kind of like move the head a bit more. I think he will take more punishment against better and bigger fighters. So maybe he needs to work on that at least. But uh, for the minute, at least, uh, he delivered in spades there for us last night. So that was a really good weekend capped off with Figueroa stopping uh, Lewis Nery in seventh round. So I'm happy with that one, mate. Absolutely. Good stuff indeed. Uh, fans' favourite, Lewis Neri Matty. He seemed to panic a little bit, I thought. He threw way too many meaningless shots early on, especially in round three. He was throwing these wild bombs to try and make a dent in Figueroa. And I like the way Figueroa put it on him, leaning in, using his weight, wearing him down all the time. He just kept grinding away. He's never afraid to take a shot, as we mentioned last week. But it was the dirty work that Figueroa was doing. Not dirty as in, I mean, he wasn't afraid to hit him beyond the head when the, the you know the time came. But I think it was just the, 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 the donkey work, really, that he was doing that impressed me. He, he did what I had always expected somebody would do to Neri eventually, and that was, uh, you know, not let him bully uh, someone else around the ring uh, and get inside of those wide shots. It's um, if you're want if you're willing to sit in Neri's chest, I mean, he he throws wide punches, and you can get away from most of them. And Figueroa, um, he he worked through a couple of uh, tough moments early. Um, and as Neri just started, uh, you know, about the fifth round, it seemed it, it, the body shot started to take their toll, and he started to languish more, and uh, he he didn't uh, come forward much at all after that point. And Figueroa just started pouring it on him. He started landing this really uh, nice overhand left during those rounds. Uh, excuse me, Brandon Figueroa. Did I say Omar? I don't know. Um, and uh, he uh, he did a really he just did an exceptional job of showing that he was the bigger man. And I 
and uh, I, you know, it's he was the underdog. He was a two to one underdog. I uh, I grabbed a couple bucks on that. I did. Thanks for for the shout in the chat there, guys. Um, he um near you. So you got to look for these fighters who are bullies and who have glaring flaws. You know, sometimes they can just get away with it because they're bigger, so they can take the shots and and what they land is going to hurt more. And unfortunately, at this weight class, Neri's not going to necessarily have that advantage. And uh, Brandon Figueroa looks sharp. I I hope his brother was taking notes on how to uh, get inside and roll with punches. Uh, what side of your face you might want to keep your gloves on. At any given time, I think Omar's uh, still at the stage. Matty, we're standing up straight. He's maybe horny. He needs to focus on. Yeah, it's um, I, I'm fucking telling you, man. I'm fucking telling you. He uh, the the it obviously uh, doesn't run in the family. And uh, Brandon fits in nicely into a stacked 122 pound division. And uh, I know yeah, uh, we uh, got some time to fill, so I won't get into to it too much now. But I really like that fight with Fulton coming up. That's a good fight. And uh, Figueroa is definitely looking better than he has before uh the pieces are coming together and that fight in september could really be a fantastic one something to look forward to i think we're actually looked quite comfortable working at that crazy pace he had the longer arms aussie so he could have stood off and off and boxed more but he chose to stand inside it was exciting it was a little bit sloppy at times matty mentioned there i think fulton is a step ahead of both of those guys. But what do you make of this, Aussie? The PBC 122 running list, a uh, rankings list, sorry. A bit of a brain boggler for me. So they've got uh, Ray Vargas at number one, naturally. Uh, Murajan Akhmadaliev at number two. Daniel Roman at number three. Lewis Neri at number four. Isaac Dogbo at number five. Brandon Figueroa at six. This was probably before that fight had concluded. Uh, Dogbo at five. Gavin McDonald coming in at number seven, ahead of Stephen <laughs> Fulton at number eight. Uh, Fulton just slightly ahead of Ryosuke Wasa at nine. And Azad Hovanissian there. What do you think about that, Ozzy? Um, bit different, but we've seen these, you know, like dodgy rankings before where they omit people if they hold a certain belt or they'll certainly do them down from that. Um, I thought it was quite an enjoyable fight last night, actually. Uh, I thought Figueroa was just size told and, you know, Lewis Neary has gone from, you know, being the bigger fighter in quite a few of his, you know, like previous fights, whether, you know, he's just because it's completely he's missed weight. Um, but I thought size told and it was an enjoyable fight. And I think the body shots just proved ultimately too much for him. Interesting, you know, like I think Figueroa felt, you know, he, he was there, you know, um, basically the non-stop pressure was just too much for, for Neary. Um, it wasn't easy, you know, like it wasn't, you know, like a one-sided beatdown. It, it was difficult, but you could see that, you know, particularly I thought towards, you know, towards the latter half of the fight when it finished, um, it started to go considerably in Figueroa's favour. Um, it wasn't, you know, like ebbing and flowing, you know, and it, you you know you couldn't really predict to win. I always thought that as the fight went on, Figueroa was Figueroa was coming on stronger and looking, you know, a hell of a lot better. And ultimately, you know, the pressure told and the body shot was a magnificent shot. I think I saw something, I read something after the fight, and it said something like Neary was on a hospital bed pissing blood. Uh, because of the, you know, because of the, the the brutal body shots that he took throughout the fight, um, I think I agree. I think Fulton will be too much. I, I wouldn't read too much into those rankings. I mean, look, those PBC rankings are no worse than some of the world rankings that we see these days, are they? You know, when you see dodgy fighters appear mm, from nowhere and they're get, and they're getting, you know, like they're ranked because they've won some random Oceania or African uh, ranking belt. 
But what I do like is that as soon as the fight finished, we saw that Fulton against Figueroa was announced. And I think that's great. All too often, you know, things, you know, manifest. It takes too long and it doesn't, ultimately we don't see it. Uh, I think it's great that that got announced. And and one thing that I would say um, on that is, uh, I think Danny Roman was on that undercard, wasn't he, that night as well? Yes. And I thought, I thought that was a probably one of his career best performances last night. I understand, you know, like, yeah, the opponent may have, you know, but I think particularly in his last five, six fights, I thought Roman looked pretty good, uh, really impressive, you know, and I ranked that above better wins, you know, like when he beat uh, Gavin McDonald, you know, like TJ Dehoney, people like that. I think he looked excellent last night and look, he's a good fighter, very, very good fighter and he, he also should not be ruled out of, not saying he's the best in division, but he's certainly in that world level mix um, up at Super Bantamweight in my opinion. Yes, indeed. Uh, ben, on to you, sir. Uh, Russian feed for me, so I didn't have the benefits of old uh, Lennox Lewis or Joe Goosen or whoever was on the microphone, but it appeared to me that Lewis Neri just didn't seem to land anything that deterred Figaro. We talk about him as a big puncher, but someone mentioned during the week, which seemed to be quite prescient as it happened, he, he would be a lot smaller than Figueroa. God, he was smaller. There was nothing to stop Figaro rumbling in constantly. Figaro has a hell of an engine and a great chin. He has big circles on his back, not really sure what's going on there, but he just wasn't being deterred by the Current supposed massive power of Neri that we've seen in the past at the lower weights. Steve, I'm going to do you a great disservice here after that wonderful sort of introduction from you there because I, I haven't seen anything. Um, <laughs> it was Eid, so this week, this weekend I've been. You would have uh, booze with me last night, I take it. Yeah. <laughs> well, not the booze, but. Uh, just being surrounded by the in-laws, really. Well, so here, I, Ben, one thing I was going to say to you then, Andy mentioned it in the chat, and this was what I was going to mention, the thing on his back. Was it to do with that cupping that we were talking yeah, about the other day, possibly? Yeah, so cupping, I was just going to say that to you. The one thing I can really add is that um, that was probably the cupping. So cupping, ah. uh, it's a sort of alternative med medical pr medicine practice. Um, in Islam, we use it quite widely. It's it's, uh, it's called a sunnah in Islam, so it's something that we're, we're sort of uh, advised to do and it's meant to you. Uh, you essentially put suction cups on your back, and then it sucks your, your your like skin up, and all the bad blood comes to the surface. And then they make a small incision and drain the bad blood out of your body, um, and that's essentially just sort of detoxifying your blood and stuff like that. And you'll see a lot a lot of boxers do it now. A lot of sports stars in various arenas do it. Um, so yeah, um, I would assume I assume it's for for that purpose. Um, but yeah, other than that, all I can tell you is I saw the stoppage, um, and that's about it on that card, unfortunately, mate. No, no, not to worry, not to worry. Um, so let us go on to the undercard, shall we? First I, of all, with I you. would do cupping, but if they sucked out all the bad blood, I there'd be shit less, I'd be fucking drained. <laughs> You'd be like an anorak lying on the floor. <laughs> I'd, I'd look like Miguel Burchelt in the 10th round against Valdez. <laughs> Oh, dear me. Uh, good good man, Matty. Yeah, talking about Daniel Roman, actually, Ozzy summed it up pretty well. I think he's a really exciting fighter. He's not the biggest puncher in the world, but he fights like he's a puncher. He's not afraid to stand with guys like Espinosa, who can clearly crack himself. Also, another thing that was mentioned during the week, which I thought, again, was a good point, was Roman mentioning to boxing scene or an outlet of that nature, how come he hasn't had the rematch with Akmedalia? If it was a really close fight, I, for one, thought Roman actually won it. I thought it was nip and tuck all the way through. There was only a point in it, or maybe a point or two either way so Roman he's justified to be asking for that Akhmedalia rematch Matty in my opinion I really love Daniel Roman as a fighter if he had 
10% more punching power. Uh, there, I don't know that there's anyone at 122 that could handle him with the way that he puts his punches together. Uh, he's he's uh, He takes a few rounds to fill things out sometimes, but when he gets you figured out, dude's a real tactician. And um, I, you know, if he if he stays on it, I, I wouldn't doubt that that he could uh, win a fight uh, against um, uh, Alec Bavez, uh, uh in a rematch, or uh, or maybe the the Fulton uh, and Figueroa winner down the, down the road. He's he's a really exceptional fighter, and those uppercuts he was landing were just fucking vicious. And and don't doubt for a second that if this was a scheduled twelve round fight, that he wouldn't have another stoppage on his record because. Uh, Espinosa was not going to hang on for two more rounds. Uh, he was getting a, his ass kicked. His face after the eighth round was a mess. Um, so I don't know where Roman goes from here. Um, hopefully right into a title fight um, with uh, something that's available. But I would like to see him against the Figueroa uh, and uh, Fulton winner. That's a fight. Talking to people with suspicious markings over their back, Ray Vargas, Matty, I think he's now signed with the PBC. He's one of the most underwhelming champions, if indeed he is still a champion. I don't think he is. Uh, in the Super Bantamweight division, are you interested in seeing Ray at 34-0 and going in against any of these boys? The PBC, as I said there, they have him at number one. Yeah, I mean, you have to think that with 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 um, uh, with Figueroa Fulton all tied up, and then with Roman uh, just getting off of a fight, they're probably setting up a fight with him and the Russian. That would be my hunch. Um, so that might mean Roman's uh, on the shelf for quite a few months, waiting on one of these fights. Unfortunately, but uh, you know. I, I think Vargas definitely, uh, there's a lot of upside to the guy. He's a talented, talented fighter. Um, but I, I think we just kind of need to see some better competition. Well, some competition the at all. Is- he fought Tomoki Kamado Andy, in July 2019. That's coming That's on two years point. out of the ring. I know he broke his leg, didn't he, or something? Yeah, that was my point. I was just going to say he's not been, he's not been active for uh, the best part of two years. He's not even ranked, I don't think, in some of the... Some of the other, you know, websites, whatever, who do the do the rankings, etc. Mm. Um, I mean, for me at least, as I sit in the chat, you know, number one for me is going to be Akbadali purely because he's a unified yeah. champ, and then you've got to be good, like you say, Danny Roman, eh, who also got Stevie Fulton, Figueroa definitely bring up the top five, maybe even Angela Leo, and the both of Japan's an okay fighter, but Roman, eh, sorry, Vargas has been fought for two years, so there's no way he can be ranked. So the PBC, you know, rankings are an absolute joke with that one. And I, I have a hard time, you know, rating uh, based on the fact, rating Fulton based on the fact that Angelo Leo's not a guy that had a great depth of resume either. So we're we're basically rating Fulton on the skills that he's shown against not necessarily high level opposition. Um, I, I think that fight in September is way more up in the air than than others think. Well, I do rate Fulton, Matty, but you are correct in the fact that um, Leo, to be fair, he was being given the runaround for the first five or six rounds by Tremaine Williams, who was Fulton's uh, replacement at the time. So perhaps you might have a point there, Matty. It happens from time to time. Good stuff. I'm impressed. Good start for Matty here at 20 past eight. He's come up with a prescient point, Ozzy. Are you going to back him up here? Well, I was actually going to bring another fighter into the equation. You know, they keep talking about world titles, and that's Michael Conlon. And we, we mention all those names there. And do you want us to give him a chance up at Super Bantam, you know, against the likes of, you know, Stephen Fulton, Figueroa, um, Danny Roman, 
Because I don't. I I just think, you know, he, he seems a level below the likes of those fighters. Even I think the Danny Roman fight would be excellent for him. That'd be I don't even want to give Roman the disrespect and say that'd be a good yardstick for him because Roman is not like a you know a, a gatekeeper to world level. No, I think no. Roman is a legit world level fighter. But do you honestly give Conlon like a chance against any of those fighters? Because in my opinion, they're, they're talking, you know, like he's ready for a world title now. I don't think he could be any further away, you know, particularly because the belts are tied up, which will probably do Conlon a favour because he could maybe get, you know, like a couple of other fights, you know, at like that fringe world level under his belt. And if he does come through, you know, further down the line, he might do, you know, it might do him the world of good. But if he was to fight for a world title next against the likes of, you know, Atmedeliev, Fulton, Figueroa, um, I know Roman's not got a world title, but, but still in that bracket... I wouldn't give Michael Conlon a chance whatsoever at the moment, that's for sure. Well, the thing is, Ozzy, a couple of things spring to mind for me. First of all, he looks tight at the weight, at super bantamweight, which will go against mm-hmm. him, especially with someone like Fulton ripping in those body shots. And secondly, uh, you have to really, at the end of the day, look down his record and his performances and say, is there anything there that you would say warrants the fact to say, oh, he would deal with the likes of Fulton, who we've seen going toe-to-toe with Leo, Figueroa, who we've seen beating Neri. These guys all have those sort of points of reference on their records. And and he's not got that at the moment. He has not got that at the moment. Do you know what wouldn't surprise me uh-huh. if we see a rematch with somebody like Jason Cunningham as a as a as you know European title get that European title one you know something like that because Cunningham you know like look that'll give him a world ranking now I'm not saying that is the right fight for him whatsoever but on paper if they say right we'll go and fight the European champion I know we've already beaten him but that was a few fights ago and he's improved then it's just, you know, like one of those false fights, you know, on paper, he's boxing the European champion, nobody can complain, but in reality, Conlon will have far too much for him. I thought the Baluta fight was was quite well matched, actually, for him. I thought that did a lot for him, but after that, it's like, you would think the only way is up, but who would you realistically put him in with next that, you know, they, they want to place it carefully, of course, because they don't, you know, like they're very much on the Conlon train. He's a moneymaker, particularly out in America. You know, he sells these places out, particularly when they bring him back to Ireland as well. Who would you honestly look at putting him in with next um, that if he's not going to box for a world title? Honestly, I have not got a clue. I'm just looking at the rankings now. Why not Neri? Just on box rank. They wouldn't take that. No chance. Oh, there's no chance of making that fight either. Hmm. I don't. I know Neri's just got knocked out now, but I don't think they'd take that fight for Conlon at all, because I don't see Conlon. You know, he's he's not got the. I th- I think Neri could uh, he could potentially beat Conlon actually, because the one thing I got that goes against Michael Conlon is I always think at world level. I'm not saying you need to be you know an elite puncher, but you've just got to have something in your punches that can keep fighters off you. And for me, he just doesn't have that at all. That that Baluta won rounds purely on pressure because Conlon couldn't keep him off him. And, you know, like, look, Baluta is limited in what he is, but can you imagine putting him, you know, like, chucking Conlon the levels above? The, the look at somebody like that, who, who was it? Um, who, oh, was it Scott Quigg? Knocked him out or something like. Was it that? Is it Shingo Wake or was it Shingo yeah, Wake? Is mandatory? Yeah. Now look at somebody like that for him. You know, pretty much risk free, but it keeps him active. But in the top five or six fighters, I don't give Conlon a chance whatsoever, and I don't think they will even consider those fights unless it was for a world title. 
Just saying, like, obviously, Danny Roman there won last night. I know he's, what, is he ranked two or three with WBO. I mean, do you, do you think that maybe the WBO might say, like, okay, use two box off for the mandatory position? So Collins ain't got a decision to make, hasn't he? Oh, it won't be for a mandatory position. They'll create a title or a silver or an interim or a vacant. But I think it's Fulton's got a mandatory defence coming up in September, as it with Figaro, so... Didn't they say on one of the shows the other week, I think it might have been on the Ruiz card or something, that as soon as like um, Fulton's, uh, as soon as Fulton's fought Figueroa, then whoever wins, I think it's the WBO. They've got ninety days to fight. Um, <clears throat> they've got ninety days to accept a fight. And was I'm sure Con, it might have been on the Conlon fight actually. And then I'm sure Conlon might be come the mandatory or being an eliminator for who for that belt or something. I can't remember exactly what it was, but I'm sure one of the belts, and I'm pretty sure it was the WBO. They've got 90 days to 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 fight the mandatory after after the um, after that unification fight. Yeah, but it's all happening at 122. Punctilious points from the boys there. Uh, very good stuff. Uh, Gabe's joined us on the call. He said he wasn't Gabe, and yet here you are. What gives? He's come to slag the WBC off. I bet you. <laughs> Hey, I couldn't come on. I couldn't not come on after one of my dream scenarios. Luis fucking Neri, the drug cheat, gets knocked fucking out. I couldn't not come on. I, I told everyone, I said, "Hey, stop the fucking tournament. Stop all the bullshit. I've got shit to take care of. My 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 fellas need to hear from me." And so they shut shit down. We got shit done in a very big way, and I'm here. So it's more of a celebration than anything. I'm not going to be on for long. Uh, <laughs> it's just the hit and fuck you up and walk. But uh, great fight. Great fight. I mean, it was an entertaining fight all the way through. Uh, Neri was connecting. <laughs> Pardon me. But uh, really just a, a good fight. And, and uh, Neri was not powerful enough without the, without the drugs uh, to, to win the fight. That's what it boiled down to. Uh, without without his cheating, no chance. Uh, Figueroa smashed him, punished him, sent him to the hospital, crying like a little bitch, and it was a phenomenal finish. So we really, uh, you know, we really got to see a good fight there. It was fun. While it That's it. Hey, go fuck yourself. <laughs> Keep going, Gabe. Come on, we're enjoying this. The chat are liking this. Go on. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. There's nothing really left for me to say. I I was just uh, really happy that that happened. Uh, Figueroa, I really don't rate him all that highly uh, in terms of, of where I think he can go. Um, I do believe that he'll eventually get uh, that he'll eventually get smashed, and uh, I think it's because of his his pretty his style is pretty much like his brother's. He he goes in face first, throws a lot of punches, uh, but doesn't have much defense to speak of. Uh, I just, uh, but it was a good fight. He's champion for now. Uh, got a big date with Fulton coming up. Turn that fucking thing off. And uh, he's got a big date coming up. If you, if you listen, <laughs> you can hear the directions to the finest strip club in the Dallas Fort Worth area. Gabe's gonna take her own turn. Go, he's take her you couldn't wait for the car, you mate. <laughs> <laughs> I needed that to wake me up, mate. Like. Oh, I'm sorry, fellas. We're a little bit off off base here. Uh, no, nah, we're we're we are are happy with the way things went. Uh, we all got to see a good show. 
And what, what more could you really ask for than a drug cheat finally getting what he had coming? And I, and I will go in on the WBC for just a second here. When he got popped, they didn't strip his title. They forced a rematch, uh, which Shinsuke Namanaka got his, got his rematch. I was happy to see that. He ended up getting smashed again. Um, but that was bullshit. He got robbed. He must wait. He must wait. Did they not for the second fight? Uh, say again. Did he, not, did he not miss weight for the second fight? Uh, yeah, I think he, did, he was yeah. like, like five pounds over, maybe. It was a significant amount over overweight. Uh, and then I think in his last fight or about before that, he was overweight. It got put off because his opponent said, no fucking way, I'm not going to do it. So it's been kind of a consistent issue with him, uh, but also with the WBC. The WBC is letting him have his way, do as he pleases, as they typically do with Mexican fighters. And, I mean, that's that's kind of what happens in the end. I think eventually, at least I hope, that there's a, that there's a comeuppance for guys like Neary and for the fucking WBC who, who pushed them along in a big way. Uh, the PBC has done it as well, though. Uh, never a mention of his drug test issues, his weight issues, his general lack of, dis, uh, of, of regard for uh, the game in general, of boxing, just disrespectful. Uh, and he got what he had coming. So I'm, I'm glad to see it. Thanks, Gabe. In case you drop off, Gabe, uh, where can people find you on Twitter in case they want to get in touch with you? Turn that fucking thing off, dot com. <laughs> <laughs> Typical anti-Mexican stance from a Texan there. That's, that's all I can say. <laughs> <laughs> Build that wall. Build that wall. Okay. <laughs> oh, I think we've lost Gabe. We've lost Gabe. Uh, anything Gabe else? lost it long before we I th- lost. Yeah, him. I think so. The greatest contribution there since Cindy Loback. Uh, any word on Xavier Martinez, Mate? I think he looks pretty good at this level, but I'm not sure how well he will fare when he moves up in class. I I really enjoyed that fight and uh and Burgos put in a great performance. I I don't know where they got the 9991 cards, man. I I ain't got a clue on that one. Uh I I thought that the cards with the swing rounds if everything went towards uh Burgos that you could have walked away with a draw on that one, but it was definitely a fight that uh, Martinez probably should have won, you know, 96 94, maybe 97 93. Um but um I guess it. How much does Burgos have left? I guess is a question on that one. You're trying to judge Martinez. Martinez isn't that much of a puncher. Um, you know, uh, he's a decent puncher, but I, I, I think his it, it, the people might have overstated his power. Um, and it's I don't know. It's it's just a pretty stacked division at 130 pounds, man. I I, I don't know that he fits into the upper echelon, Steve. Um, I, I think he uh, he'll get probably get a t- title shot along the way. But my hunch is he'll lose it and just fall into some second-tier status. Yeah, I agree. I think the Claudio Moreira fight showed a lot about his future. Just before we dip into the chat and see who's knocking about there, anybody else want to jump in on this uh, California undercard? Do so now, boys, one at a time. The floor is yours. Hey, Burgos was a great fight. I agree with Maddie on that one. It was uh, Juan Carlos. He's, he's had, what, three, four title shots? Um, he, was, he was bringing it. He gave it a, a, a hell of a fucking shot. Um, and I, I've gone back and watched a few more of his fights recently or fights that he's been in just along the way. Uh, couldn't say enough of uh, good things about the last night. He did, did great. Uh, just met a guy he couldn't hurt enough to, to get the win. Good 
Tough guy, anybody else? Speak now. Okie dokie, let's move on into the chat here. Episode 422, Boxing Asylum Nutters podcast. That was Gay Blues you were listening to there. Ben Farouk is here. Matty, Adija Leonardo, Ozzy Smith, Andy Patterson. Atosh Bear Grills is in the chat, so see Robert79. <clears throat> uh, Rob Barnett, Jason Chukwu. Good evening to Pat Reardon. Uh, Joseph Kennedy as well is always there. Teddy Boy 94 Michael Thompson, DJT1785. Callum B, welcome to you. Uh, Babatunde Kelly. Uh, Simon Hill, Paul Raftery. If I miss you out, then give me a shout out in caps, caps lock, and I will no doubt rectify that error. David Lawrence Graham's here as well. Richard Wetton, uh, Niall M. Going up to the beginning of the chat. Take Ames is knocking about as well. I think I saw Jim McDonald boxing, Josh Ford. Uh, who else we got here? MB, Boxing Channel. Uh, last couple now, and we shall move on. Uh, who else have we got? Callum B, already mentioned him. Yep, I think that's ju just about it then, boys. John Wayne as well. Welcome to you, John Whale. John Wayne, sorry. Oh, DJT is Donnie. Yes, I thought it was, actually. I thought Donnie was floating about there. Uh, let's get on to the, you know, before we go on to Boatsy, actually, Ozzy, let's get on to our favourite, shall we? Old Lovejoy out in Germany going against Manuel Char. I think he's about Lovejoy. He was supposed to fight Dave Allen, as we mentioned off air, for some WBA ranking. Everybody assumed that Lovejoy, we all thought that he was complete and utter shit. Looking at his record, you could tell he was shit. Looking at him trying to throw a right hand in Buddy McGirt's gym, you could tell he was shit. Any little bit of footage available of Chris Lovejoy, all six foot seven of him, suggested he was shit. But for some reason, his banter on social media, his Twitter game, his Instagram game, he kind of convinced us. He kind of flipped the tables a little bit. And he had me thinking, you know what, maybe just I've been judging him wrong and he might come out and give a, a good performance here. It might be better than we all expected. But it turns out on the night that Christopher Lovejoy was indeed just shit. Oh, absolutely. He was absolutely shite. He, it, it was such bizarre circumstances the way the fight came about. Um, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be a fight involving a donking fighter if um, a cease and desist letter, you know, uh, legal threats were sent during fight week because King wasn't getting his slice of the pie. He even claimed the WBA weren't even sanctioning the fight after the WBA had been posting about it all over their social channels, saying. Uh, champion in recess, uh, Manuel Char is making a return. And the, the whole thing was an absolute shambles, wasn't it, from start to finish? I mean, Lovejoy weighing in at something like £310. I think a whole something like £75-£80 heavier than his last fight. In, and th this is the funny... Well, sorry, yeah, it was last year, so a year ago. So he's put on over £70 in uh, in 12 months. Uh, clearly not in fighting shape. And it, it was just a bizarre turn of events. I think he jacked the fight. He, I think he claimed injury. wasn't really a stoppage. He's come out with all sorts after the fight, saying he's had um, his shoulder went. He says uh, something's like somebody's put something in his drink. So it's like he's got the shits or something like that. In reality, he's just a poor excuse of a fighter. And he was, what, four days away, three days away, from appearing on a Sky Sports pay-per-view card. I think that's, you know, like the serious point. I mean, look, he, he's on about making a comeback already. He's going to get in shape. Um, he's You know, he's feeling better than ever. He, he, he praised Manuel Char for his performance. He was the better man. I think a pig could have beaten Christopher Lovejoy last night. Uh, and, and that's, you know, that's as far as it goes, really. Fingers crossed we don't have to see the guy again. But, no... Um, we, we judged him on what his record suggests, which was shit. We judged him on what the video showed. It was shit. 
we managed to finally watch him in a fight, and no surprise, he was shit. RIP Lovejoy, coming to a small hall near you, possibly, Andy. I was disappointed Don King didn't rush into the, the venue afterwards, waving uh, flags oh, <laughs> in manual Char's corner, climbing over Lovejoy's body to congratulate Char. That's all this fight needed. So what I needed, mate, as I say, is I'm not going to go into any other detail. It was just, as you say, shit. And to be honest, as I say to you guys, why is even Don King even stressing about this guy? Why is he even going to the hassle of getting legal letters involved or writing to WBA? When the guy is just as as you quite rightly state as shit. So why stress? As you say, maybe he wants to be a nuisance just to kind of fuck people up. But you did us all a favour, mate. Just keep him out the ring, Don. Just go back to him again and just fuck him up and just make sure he doesn't go back in the ring. So we don't need to watch and talk about him again. I think yeah. so, Andy. King's near ninety now. He doesn't give a fuck anymore. He just wants to yeah. mess people around and be a general nuisance. That's all he's doing this for. Yeah, possibly, mate. Just kind of like maybe the ego trip as well. You never know, mate. But. No, I'd be listen. Is Dave Allen is that, is that a comeback still on? Yeah, is it still going ahead? Uh, yes, uh, on fight zone, I believe. Mm-hmm. Is it Hobson's yeah, card? Coming, yeah, yes. coming to a De- De- coming to a Dennis Hobson show near you soon. Uh, is that a driving show? I don't think it's not the at the moment. Anyway. Car park. Nah, yeah, it is. It is. Uh-huh. Do you guys know That's that all all of Lovejoy's fights before this were in Tijuana? Is that what they were? Yes, literally all yeah. of his fights were in Tijuana before oh, this. He lived in Vegas, fought in Tijuana. Well, I tell you what's interesting though. Ames is saying in the chat that Lovejoy is claiming he made two hundred thousand dollars for this fight don't against listen, Manuel. Don't Char. listen to Ames. What? He, 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 Ames works for a shoddy second-rate YouTube channel, so don't listen to him. They uh, they overpaid him by about one hundred ninety-nine k. If I tell you what, if Christopher Lovejoy has somehow managed to get 200k out of fighting Manuel Char, then he deserves a medal. He deserves oh, one of these bogus WBA titles just for that, because he's winning at life if he's pulled together this botched up record <laughs> of fighting Cowboys in Tijuana, and then he's got a 200k payday fighting Manuel Char. And, a box, and then he jacked um... it. In yeah, boxing in, in, in Cologne, and I, 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 for yeah, a title yeah. that Manny Char went to push bids for, and nobody was willing to bid for it. I think the lowest bid yeah, was something like yeah. $50,000. I think the, the minimum's two hundred. Yeah, absolutely absurd. Absolutely absurd. I, uh, with that money, you know, he's in Germany. I've, I've been looking online at uh, schnapps tours of the Black Forest. So, uh, you know, maybe Lovejoy wants to uh, take a schnapps tour of the, of the Black Forest. Um, you know, uh, I like black people and I like forests. I like mm. schnapps. Yeah, seems like, a, seems like a good deal. I think well, by the time Don King's finished with him, he might end up in the Black Forest buried somewhere. Uh, ben Manny Choi is quite the character, isn't he? I'm trying to think back. Didn't he get shot by a YouTube troll or something back in the day in the hip? Didn't stop him from dropping a cartwheel. He was, was in a restaurant or something. I think it was a Turkish restaurant in Germany. Somebody yeah. came in and shot him twice. Uh, someone Jesus. had been challenging him online, I think, if I remember correctly. <laughs> Madness. I, I don't know about that. It's, oh, um, was it, was it, was it's all was a bit Box bizarre. Fit Rick? Was it Box Fit Rick? What was his name? <laughs> Or boxing Rick, his name is him. It's, it's, it's uh, trolling the uh, big Enzo just now. I don't know. Holy shit. So he's like the 50 cent of boxing. <laughs> you hear me okay? I can hear you fine, mate. All right. Seems to be going okay. Uh, any, any thoughts, Ben, on Lovejoy against Manichar? 
No, no. The the best thing I can say is uh, just echoing what one of the um, uh, what Andrew Thicket said in the chat, which was Lovejoy has declined since his TV series. So a little eighties, nineties reference there for you. Other than that, nothing really to say on it. It's farcical, you know. You've got people like Lovejoy, you've got Char. I don't know what what the whole end goal of this was to to sort of push for this WBA regular nonsense that's been going on. Um, I, I really don't know. Um, but it's uh, yeah, it was just a a circus show, really, isn't it? It is a circus show. We shall move on. Ames has sent me an image. I shall uh, yeah. tread carefully. Don't I think. open it. Don't open it. <laughs> Sorry, Steve. I've just, I was just going to send this to you in the chat here, but yeah, I've, just seen unboxing scene. I've just seen it unboxing scene. Don King vows lawsuit of Lovejoy moves forward with char fight. Right? So that was like the 14th of May that came out. So it's like uh, old Don's not going to be sitting back, taking it lightly. He's wanting these cut off at 200k, baby. Could we get the bus fare him? Uh, there, there, was, <laughs> there was quite a formal thing they put out. It was like I saw a screenshot of the press release. I didn't see the, get the actual press release, but I'm sure I saw it somewhere. Here, it was quite a formal thing, and I'm sure like he spent us an insane amount of money just yeah, to get that done. Here, uh, ima- imagine if fucking Don King was Jesse Owens' manager, man. The Nazis would have won the 36 Olympics. <laughs> I was going to say something. I don't know where Ames got that figure from, but something in the boxing scene chat here has basically said the Lovejoy's purse was two hundred thousand. He doesn't have to split it with anyone. Doesn't even have a manager. And so, but then someone else mentions it. Says, but a month ago, uh, when Lovejoy offered King eight thousand dollars to get his contract, King wanted fifteen thousand. Did he not say that he, was, he couldn't afford it? And he had to retire. Yeah, he did. And I'm just wondering, like, maybe maybe King was holding out. I've got this guy who's 19 wins, 19 KOs, and he's going to try and get him into something, um, you know, more substantial than what he really deserves to to have. And that was Dong's whole ploy with him. And obviously, you know, Lovejoy got tired of waiting and thought, you know, I just need to get iced by someone and get that payday. And Manuel Chow was the man to do it. Okay, okay, over in Poland on Friday evening, Mitchell Sislak got rid of Yuri Kaczynski. They were both 20 and 1. It was a first round knockout. Sislak was levels above. I think he'll be fighting uh, in world title contention, contention again very t- anytime soon. Uh, so, Ozzy, let's go on to the Manchester Arena, shall we? Jo- Joshua Buatzi knocking just out. Just on that, those Sean, that's yes, Sislak. Uh, yes. uh, sorry, Steve, just to interrupt. Yeah. Um, I'm sure that he that was a, a, an eliminator or a final eliminator of sorts. I think that puts him in uh, our top ranking for, um, it's the Cruiserweight title, isn't it? Um, I'm pretty sure that's what the case is with that fight. So he's either, either now number one or he's the mandatory for, for whoever the, the Cruiserweight champion is. I think it might be, is it a WBC? I'm not sure off the top of my head, but I'm sure I am sure I saw that during the week. And also, Sislak is like, if Smiddle went on in a fight camp, it just looks spot on like uh, Sislak. <laughs> Didn't Sislak lose to Makabu, Ben, recently, I think, in the Democratic Republic of Congo? Was that that guy? I think it might it was, have been. It was the same man, yes, it was. Yeah, he lost a uh, unanimous decision to him, yeah. OK, Ames has indeed sent me a picture of Lovejoy on his Instagram. I just want to know, do I look 200k richer, says Lovejoy. So there we are. That's that confirmed. Don King will be in touch, no doubt, before the show is finished. OK, then, Ozzy, let's get on over to this Manchester Arena card. You can talk about what you want, but we'll start off with Joshua Barazzi against Daniel Blender, Dos Santos. He was crying at the end. I was crying at the beginning. I tell you, after about the first round or so of this one, running around the ring, Mr. Dos Santos, I just felt a bit sorry for him, but 
should I have sympathy for Dos Santos? He's not, you know, the matchmakers shouldn't be putting him in a position like this. He just, he seemed like a decent dude. He tried his best. He threw a few shots here and there, but there were just levels between the two of them. It was just embarrassing to watch at times. Correct. You summed it up in the best way. It was embarrassing. It was pointless. We didn't learn anything new about Joshua Boazzi whatsoever. This isn't an opponent that was dragged in at a week's notice because there was a planned opponent and it fell through. And it was a case of, look, we'll just get whoever we can in, we'll get him out, and then we move on to the next one. We look to make the rematch. It was a nothing fight. And it was, I said last week, we, we have gone five or six steps backwards with Joshua Boazzi and his matchmaking. Um, I said last week, Boazzi could have fought this guy on debut and would have won in the same way. And after watching it last night, there's nothing that makes me think any different whatsoever. It was a complete and utter mismatch. I mean, you, you see like the promoter after it, Eddie Hearn, saying, oh, he was dangerous. He was 15, you know, he was coming to win. He was upset after the fight. Bollocks. Bollocks was he coming to win. He ran around. He just ran away because he was shit scared and knew he was out of his depth and dangerous, my ass. He fought two fucking opponents with winning records in that 15 and 0. It was just padded rubbish and a, a complete waste of time. I don't even say this is like, you know, this is oh, it's a good fight for Buatzi with Virgil Hunter. Why? We, we didn't learn anything new. Buatzi could have trained himself and just got fit, you know, got fit and just to do the rounds. He wouldn't have had to work on anything and he would have still won this fight. We learn nothing new about it. And they've said the same again after it. They said during the week, we think he can beat Dimitri Bivol now whilst putting him in with this guy. And then after it, they've said, we definitely think he can beat Dimitri Bivol, but we need a fight in between. And they go, it's somewhere in between uh, Bivol and Dos Santos. Well, there's a big fucking gap between those two, that's for sure. So take your pick. I mean, the one fight that was suggested to him, which was Craig Richards, and Hearn snubbed it. He just didn't seem interested whatsoever. I think that's a perfect fight for Boatsy. That's a Craig great Richard, fight. Yeah. Craig Richards showed as well at world level. Look, I, I know we always say, you know, like, oh, yeah, just because he didn't get knocked out at world level, he's world level. And I'm not saying he is, but Craig Richards did a hell of a lot better than anybody thought against Dimitri Bivol, won rounds and showed that, yeah, he's probably a solid European level fighter. That's a great fight to make. I think Richards is probably aligned with Matchroom. Why not make that? It's perfect. It's in-house. You don't need to worry about any of this quarantining thing. Make it. But it was snubbed. And he, he turned over out of the, you know, that Olympic crop of Josh Kelly, uh, Lawrence Acoli, Anthony Fowler, a couple of others as well, and as the most highly rated. And he's been matched the worst by a long, long way. What do we know from Buatzi, apart from he's a spiteful puncher and, you know, technically he's very good? But we knew that when he turned over as pro, we've learned nothing more about him. Nothing more about him at all. And something's got to change. You, you can't keep talking about how he'll beat the likes of current, you know, like very good um, world, you know, like very good world champions in Dimitri Bivol. You can't keep saying he'll beat him and then put him in with, put him in with the likes of, you know, your your Daniel De Santos, because simply it's not good enough. And that Marco Kalic fight as well, the one before, Buatzi answered questions in that. But again, 
that was accidental matchmaking. That was not supposed to be a difficult fight for Boazzi whatsoever, and it turned out it was. So again, are they hiding something or are they not? But the levels have got to be upped and fast because if they chuck him in, it'd be very similar, you know, to like what Anthony Yard did. Yard will go from fighting knockover jobs straight to world level, and if Boazzi does that, for me, it'll only end one way, and that won't be in his favour. Ozzy, just before we get the other boys in here, anything on the rest of the card? Lerone Richards winning on points against Giovanni Di Carolise. Jason Cunningham upsetting Gamaya fight, which was an interesting enough fight. Tommy McCarthy getting a knockout win as well. Yeah, yeah. So, putting it bluntly, I I don't think the card was brilliant, to be honest. I'm a big fan of seeing European titles make a return. I think they should, you know, I think the really good uh, belts, you know, to defend if you can get the right opponents. Um, Lerone Richards was excellent against... Decaralise. He wasn't, you know, Decaralise was poor, but I think that was largely down to Richards being so good. And if Richards, you know, could sit down on his shots and become a bit of a puncher, he's a problem at 168 because he's very, very good. I, I like him. He's not, you know, going to be ones that draw people in, you know, the big crowds because he's just not got that style. But if he can develop, you know, where he's just turns it, I'm not saying, you know, like a a one-punch knockout artist, but can start getting his opponents out of there, he's going to be a problem, that's for sure. I really like him. And it's going to be interesting. I think he's going to be difficult to match, not because, you know, he's, you know, you know, he's he's good, but not because of that reason, just because people are looking at him and think, I know he's got the European title, but in reality, what does he bring to the table? Doesn't sell loads of tickets, not a big name. I'll go another direction. Um, Tommy McCarthy did exactly what he should have done against that Alexander Dejure. Poor opponent, very poor. Um, not sure how this guy was sanctioned for European title. Shouldn't have been McCarthy. at European title level. No, n- n- not at all. Not at all. But Tommy McCarthy did exactly what he should have done. And he beat him up and he got him out of there. And that's the performance that McCarthy will benefit from because had he laboured you know, to a 12-round points win, no one wants to watch him. It stinks. It becomes boring. But he got him out of there, and I think he's fighting Chris Billum Smith next for British, Commonwealth, and European titles. Great fight. Re- really good that, and we'll look forward to that one. Um, Sol Dakers and Ellis Hopkins made their debuts on the undercard. Um, Dalton Smith was excellent against Lee Appleyard. We, you know, we talk about you know big, you know, like big prospects from the UK. Dalton Smith's right up there. He's class. Really, really like him. Um, you won't see many better than him, you know, from a prospect. He's been matched well. He's destroyed Lee Appleyard, destroyed him. Good English title, you know, level opponent. And he, he could probably compete at least for the, you know, for the, the 140 uh, British title now. They'll probably match him a bit safer, but that's fine. He's only had seven fights, but he's an English champion. Very good fighter. And and the fight of the night was Gamal Yafai against Jason Cunningham. Again, you know, like European title, the, Cunningham's not European level, and neither is Jafai, really. I mean, he beat, you know, some no-mark Italian for it. But the fight itself was well-matched, and it was excellent. I don't think any of us predicted it. You know, it would have been this, I say quality, but, you know, from like an entertainment perspective, it was excellent. Jafai couldn't have got off to a worse start. Dropped, I think, in the second Oh, he was dropped three times in the end by the sixth round, and you're always playing catch up. And it, I, I applaud him for you know for the fight he showed, but he was just too far behind, and he, he he brought it closer towards the end of the fight, you know, by winning rounds on more on pressure more than anything. Because I think Cunningham 
knew, you know, what he had to do. And Cunningham looked good. He made, I mean, your fire made him look excellent. Just ex- brilliant counter-punching, you know, from, from the southpaw stance and from Cunningham. And look, there'll be a lot of English fighters after Cunningham now because they'll see, you know, it's it's a great opportunity for uh, to pick up a European title. But, but fair play to him. Um, I saw Steffi Bull, his manager, say that they only had three weeks' notice for it. I thought he had a bit longer than that. I thought the show was announced a little while back, this fight. But three weeks' notice, he's gone into an away corner um, and, you know, put off probably a career-best performance. So, so all in all, I thought the card was OK. Um, I think the Yafai-Cunningham fight certainly saved it from being, you know, pretty poor. Um, but all, all in all, yeah. That, that was the fight of the night and, and we'll probably go back mm-hmm. to Buatzi with everybody else. Something's got to change with him regarding his matchmaking and pretty fast. Yeah, we're going to go on to that shortly. Um, I don't want to jump the gun too much, but I know, Gabe, you might have to go soon. So I do want to get your Josh Taylor, Jose Ramirez picks in now in case we lose you. Go ahead, Gabe. Gabe, you there? Yeah, sorry about that. Uh, I really want Josh Taylor to do the business. I don't think he does. I think Ramirez is going to get to him in the end. Uh, I think if it's not a late-round stoppage, it'll be a pretty clear loss by the end of it. Uh, I just don't think he's going to be slick enough to get around Ramirez. Uh, I don't see him having the ability to to avoid what's going to be coming at him for 12 rounds. Um, So I'm going to go with Ramirez, a late stoppage or a – fight where it's pretty competitive for the first half as it moves on Ramirez possibly uh, creates the difference that'll win him the fight on the cards so either one of those I mean I think that's a that's a that's one of the best fights I mean I can think of right now that I'm most excited to see um, it should be a pretty good show though uh, there was no is there another title fight on that card or am I thinking of the next week can't remember off the top of my head who's on it now to be honest uh, I think Hank Lundy's on there, but he's going to get beat. I'm trying to remember who else is on there. I can't remember all who else is on there, but uh, oh, Zapaida's on Elvis Rodriguez. <laughs> yeah, the rest of it, I think, is just a. Uh, I mean, anytime Elvis Rodriguez is on there, it's just a uh, showcase. They're just showcasing that guy, uh, as long as the rest of the undercard, I'm sure, as is top ranks typical behavior at this point. But uh, the main fight should be pretty damn good. Uh, good stuff. It's going to be an excellent main event. I don't really concur with Gabe's summation there, but we'll get to that later on. Uh, ben Dez, a friend of the pod, shouted to Dez, has put a little message for us on the screen here. Boatsy is managed by AJ. Is he top of Hearn's important list? Uh, I don't think he's top of Hearn's important list, but I think being managed by AJ has its benefits for people like Boatsy. Um Maybe that's why he's been matched so shoddily along the way. You know, they're, they're, they're making the most of it, but um, it's really bad, and um, you know, I think Adam Adam Smith said yesterday that it's hard to match Boatsy. But just look at the fucking domestic scene; it, it's it's stacked with with good good potential opposition for Boatsy, and he's not fought any of them. Um, like I said when we did our, our our stream during the week, Steve, I said, um, you know, I I rank him sort of fourth out of the top five. So, you know, mm-hmm. Callum Johnson, Lyndon Arthur. Then Craig Richards, then I had uh, Boatze, and then Yard, and then I thought about it during the week, and I thought I might be too fucking, um, you know, generous to him because really, at least Yard steps up and 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 had that shot at Kovalev, you know, whatever you want to say about him. Do I think Boatze 
has more potential than Yard. Yes, but has he has he shown it yet? No. You can say he's a spiteful puncher over and over again, and and we can see it when he's knocking over these you know sort of for want of a better term tin can opponents. But but it's not acceptable. And and uh, like I said, I I do like Joshua Boatsy, and I've interviewed him. I've met him. He's a really nice guy. Um, he's a he's a deep guy. Um, and um, yeah, I enjoyed speaking to him. Uh, and I'm not laying the blame at his feet, but um, like Ozzy Ozzy said it perfectly. When when they all turned over, um, we sort of had very high expectations, particularly of him. And and it's just never come to fruition. He's been offered fights with people like um, Callum Johnson, Isaac Chalamba, and and the team has turned them down now. Um, the blame, I, I believe, probably lies more with the management and the promotional side of things, or, or the training side of things, um, particularly. Um, but it's not, it's not a good, a good look, you know, for him at the moment. Um, and um, they're going to need to to get a move on. Um, I was really disappointed then. I hadn't heard Eddie um, say that he was not interested in the Craig Richards fight. Why on earth could he not make that fight? Craig Richards has been quite loyal to Matchroom. He's done. You know, he's done a lot of good for them um, in terms of his fights and stuff that he's, he's had on their shows over the years. Um, why, why, why can't they make that fight? It's a re- like I said, it's a really easy fight to make, and it's a good fight. It's the sort of step up that we need to see for Buatsi. You know, and you look at Dalton Smith. I, I agree with Ozzy again. He's he's a fucking he's one of our, our best sort of prospects coming through at the moment, and they matched him really well. There is a good step up for him. And we need to see those sort of steps taken by by Buatsi. Um, not this nonsense of someone who's quivering when 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 he gets in the ring with him. You know, um, it's not right. So um, yeah, I want to see I want to see much more from from Joshua Buatsi, particularly from from the matchmaking side of things. Well said, Ben. One person I want to hear much more from right now is rapping Rob Kelly. He's jumped on the call. How are you this Sunday evening, Rob? Yo, what's the crack? Not bad, not bad. You okay? You okay, sir? I'm hanging in there. Better than I was last Sunday, anyway. Put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know, Andy took your role this week. <laughs> yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's. Uh, I'm feeling very sorry for him, actually. <laughs> I'm very sympathetic, Andy. I'm feeling very sorry for me, no, actually. I'm saying he was cuter than mine. Oh, fuck's sake. Out wrecking the city he was there last night. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Give me the fucking shooter. Yeah, Rob, we've gone, we've gone through a few things already. Neri Figueroa, bit of Boatsy. I do have a question for you on Tommy McCarthy, though. I thought it was interesting last night, after Tommy's fight, Eddie was trying to manufacture. He got called out, didn't he, on a bit of fake beef between McCarthy and Billum Smith, which McCarthy eventually got on board with. But the way they're talking, future fights, Sky asking about future fights, it all calls into question for me, this kind of, uh, are we not going after this show, boys? We're not off to the zone. Are they just playing a role, playing the game here, pretending that Sky are going to be showing McCarthy against Billum Smith? Don't know what way that's going. See Barry Jones popping up there on Sky last night as yeah. co-commentator, who's really, really good. And maybe Sky are trying to secure him. If there's a there's own run looking for or DA's own, they're on um online looking for feedback on their uh, productions. And if anyone's taking them seriously, I'd say go and scoop Barry Jones. That'd be a massive acquisition for him because he's actually one of the few in the sport that's going to talk about the fight. Uh, in terms of Tommy, man, I'm delighted. I'm delighted for Tommy. I know the opponent wasn't up to it, but he got the stoppage. He looked good, and he's actually. And games made reference to it in one of the chats we were talking about about how Lerone Richards is marketing himself. And I think Tommy did a good job last night in the in the post fight interview where he did a, a tribute to Joe Joyce and said he was going to drive his hands in and out through. 
<laughs> what's his name? Fucking uh, Bill, Chris Billum Smith. <laughs> yeah. I'll drive my hands in and out through him, give him four times joy style. And he also said, I'd bend the bollocks out of him, no problem. So um, he's trying to sell himself a little bit um, and get up and get up on, um, kind of get his, his profile out there. I don't know how long Sky and Matchroom this thing is going to go ahead. They're going for fight camp this summer, aren't they? So they're filling probably oblig- ob- obligatory dates that they have lined up. And Tommy's fallen in there. So hold it, look at hopefully he gets the win over this guy. There is I don't think beef. I know that I know him and Shane McGuigan beef is real. Um or beef or dislike or simmering kind of McGuigan made a couple of disparaging remarks about him being Tony Bellew's sparring partner ahead of one of the fights, I remember. And then Tommy talked about the time he, he allegedly beat up Shane McGuigan in sparring when he was only sixteen. So there is some kind of uh there's some kind of um animosity there between him. And Shane McGuigan, and I think that ties into him being great mates with um, with Carl Frampton as oh, well. Yeah, yeah so there's, there's a bit of history there, and they can sell it from that point of view. But Tommy kind of spoke out of turn last night on the interview and was like, I don't know him. And then he was like, yeah, you do know him, mate. <laughs> you don't know him, <laughs> you don't like him. <laughs> um, so fucking, yeah, well, good man, Tommy. Give him four, Tom's BJ. Up, George. Fight beef That's exposed great. from Eddie there. Yeah, but he did like Tommy did well. He did. He had a bit of a sing off as well. In the in the, he's doing what he has to do to try and get a few quid. And he's look, he's yep. a bit marked on up. He hasn't got the big promotional um, push behind him. He's kind of doing it the hard way. So he's he's hanging out for a shot at a Coley, whether he get it or not, who knows? But hopefully he doesn't. Maybe that, I I actually think that Billum Smith and him fight would be a good fight. So, um, but that card, man, <laughs> I'll give you my dad's summary of the. I had him up today to watch. Uh, I put I stuck on the replay of the fights for him to watch. I give him a summary about Buatzi and Dos Santos. He said, your man's all right, but the other fellow was trying to run out of the ring for the whole fight. <laughs> so, sometimes the old school uh, summaries are better than anyway. I could sum it up. I think that's, that's we've all said about Buatzi, This we're going to learn nothing from the opponent. He should have knocked out the opponent. He did knock out the opponent. Thought there was some good value in the Cunningham five fight. Um, Cunningham boxed brilliantly off straight punches and a bit of punching and movement. We're actually seeing, you know, over the last... Um, couple of weeks, you know, we had the Sonny Edwards performance and that Cunningham performance last night. Nothing wrong with fundamentals, guys, you know what I mean? Nothing wrong with it at all. Straight punches down the middle and moving out of the way. Gets you fucking somewhere in life. Um, Obviously, you have to be fit enough to pull it off, but I thought Cunningham's gas tank was maybe going towards the end of the fight and if I was coming back into it, I don't know if that knockdown was a legit uh, tangling of the feet or not, but if I never start, tried to stop really winning the fight, I thought he was a little bit slow last night. Um, I don't know what he's like at the weight, if, he, if he's having trouble at the weight or something, but he just looked like he couldn't go through the gears. And Cunningham was taking it all out of him as well, and the knockdowns. He showed some brilliant punch selection last night. Um, not exactly a fella uh, who's in a, in a place to complain about accents. Couldn't understand a fucking word he said afterwards in that post-fight interview, Cunningham. <laughs> You're gonna to have to help me out, guys. All my all the guys, uh, the listeners from Doncaster. Um, Steffi Bull was on there with him as well. Seems like a lovely lad. Um, <laughs> Steffi, done a great uh, job, hasn't he, Steffi? To be fair, he's done. He's done well with him there, hasn't he? To get him, get him that shot. And then Terry Harper was there. They ushered Steffi and his mate off. He said, "You've had your moment, boys. Get off, basically, and put Terry Harper in there." So it was all a bit. That was nice. I'm not a fan of this new um, post-COVID interview style where they're kind of standing WWF style behind that. I like it might be interviewed on the ring apron or in the ring. Get the fuck out of here with this one. I think he's there, Rob. You and your old man um, were slamming the but, card. Oh, oh, sorry. You just cut out there. But you, all, you and your old man were slamming the card. But it turns out actually, Rob, that you two are actually wrong because the belly of the week nomination came in earlier. JD Sports. What an unbelievable undercard that matchroom boxing <laughs> has treated us to. 
<laughs> yeah, someone said, what, what was it? The, if you put a tenner on the on the favourites for the card, you would have got back 12.25 for back. <laughs> hours, so that'll tell you the value on that one. Cunningham, I guess, upset the odds a little bit. Um, and fair play to him, actually. I thought he, he boxed really well and good, good on him for winning his European title. I thought he'd done really well. But that was, I mean, and Ron Richards, I like his, I like, I kind of see where Ames is getting at. He's marketing himself. Ames made a big shout, said he might be the man to beat Canelo. I think he was being tongue in cheek there, but um, he'd want to be a little, put, be putting a little bit more of an exclamation point on the on the performances. The dancing and all is great, um, and the pleated shorts. But I've always said it about guys with elaborate shorts. You have to back it up extra in the ring if you're going to have the balls to wear those kind of pleated shorts. So I'd like to see Lerone Richards kind of step it up over the next few performances and see how good he is and where he can get to. But it's all just kind of there's nothing there fucking really that you're gonna write home about on that card like, um, Figaro and 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 Neri. I don't think anybody's gonna be like I said last week. I don't think anyone's gonna be crying over Billy Joe. I don't think anyone's gonna be crying over Neri either. either. like, no. um, hard guy to root to. But that was um, a full body inspection he got last night, um, and a lesson in body shots and 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 a lesson in investing to the body if you're Figaro. I thought Figaro looked very big against him. But that shot to end it was a sickener, a sickener right on the short rib, um, and you could see the the life just emptying out of his body, um, and the soul draining out of him with that shot. So good, a good enough weekend. I mean, you know, some good talking points, I guess. Did they, I don't know how far did you go? Did, did we reference the whole Tim's thing or, or? We haven't done it yet. We're coming to that yeah. shortly. Sure. Okay. Cool, man. Good stuff. Stay with us, wrapping Rob Kelly. Great to have you on board as always, Matty. Uh, your thoughts on the Boatsy card, especially starting with Jason Cunningham. You seem to be very impressed with his boxing performance, as well you might be against Gamal Yafai. Oh, it was fantastic, and that's the uh, second time in a month that a British fighter has turned in a really uh, tidy back foot performance. Uh, Sonny Edwards against uh, Methylene, uh at the end of last month was another one. Uh, he was landing those straight shots down the middle, and it, you know, like the the first six rounds of that fight kind of felt to me like uh, the, the single round of Kirkland Ashida spread out over six rounds. You know, it, it's never really hurt or anything like that, but he just kept going down from these shots uh, down the middle. And the movement was great. The punch placement was great. The shot choice was great. Um, and and Yafai's problem is he, he wasn't throwing enough straight punches. He kept trying to uh, catch uh, Cunningham with the looping shots as he was moving around the ring and, and uh, wasn't getting him with anything. Later on, he started throwing straight and uh, he was able to uh, have some greater success. But at that point in time, uh, the rounds had already been decided and uh, he needed a stoppage. So uh, but that was a really fun performance. I, I enjoyed the heck out of that. And uh, Boatsy, um, so uh, the uh, the over under on rounds on that was three and a half. Steve, guess what I bet? Go on. The under. <laughs> so you know my my streak of losing things by roughly a minute or less continues. <laughs> um, anyhow, uh, the guy really needs a a real opponent. Um, you know he he made a Frenchman cry, which I think is something all of us dream about, but uh, doesn't necessarily earn you a title shot. There we go. Frenchman crying. Andy, I know you didn't get a chance to see too much, but I do want to get your opinion very briefly on this. Uh, people talking about the Boatsy Virgil Hunter link up, reading all type of things into it. It's going to be difficult to work out what Hunter brings to the table until you see Boatsy in the trenches against somebody half decent. Pretty much, mate. I mean, everybody, well, not everybody, but some people were like, you know, apart from Andre Ward, you know, people didn't really rate Hunter for, for whatever reason. Um, 
Well, I agree with everything what Ozzy was saying. I mean, there's probably a better chance if Boatsy just had Hunter in camp and just went ahead, uh, went away on the road and did some, some heavy sparring against legit uh, super middleweights or light heavyweights uh, rather have that shit fight. Um, although we know it upgraded to like top status because of the Terry Harper situation, etc. But I like Josh. He's he's, he's a good fighter. Um, he's certainly got the style on that. And look, they've got there's something there. There is something that they're not telling us. Either he's hiding glass. I've said it before, or the situation is with him. Is he committed to the sport? Because okay, COVID hit last year. He had one fight last year. He had one fight this year. Uh, other than 2019, I think he was pretty active as such. But he needs to pick it up. He needs to pick it up. And as I says, he's at a point now with 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 the rankings that that he could get called to fight Bubble at any point. Um, even at this point, I wouldn't even I wouldn't even take him to beat uh, Ruben uh, Krasniki uh, at this point because you know at least we've seen Krasniki in in kind of in you know deep kind of water so to speak. We've not seen that before. Actually, he got, he got stretched a wee bit with with, with, with Kalich, so it doesn't kind of like bode well for like some future prospects. And I still agree with other people who say that he should be doing it one sixty eight. So are they protecting him? Are they protecting him at one seven five because he can't get it one sixty eight and he's kind of stuck in between it? I don't know, but um, one thing is known anyway. They need up. They need up a wee bit. Fifteen, fourteen, or when the time comes again. I mean, can you imagine getting called to fight Baterbev or Fanlong or Salamov or Ramirez, guys mm-hmm. like that, guys of like that? Okay, even Benavides was to move up to one seven five. He'd be a bad underdog without doubt. So, just need to see him up in class wee, but I love to see him in McCallum Johnson, but obviously that fight's not going to happen with the situation, but Hart McCallum having to leave there and end up with Frank Warren, so we can forget about that fight. Again, it'll probably be another six, seven, eight, nine months probably we'll see Boatsy in the ring at this point, and then, to be honest with you, everybody will like, well, you know, why are we even bothering him at this point? So, let's just hope he's active next, and it's, and it's opponent at some, some relative stature at least. Hope so. Ben is back with us. Just before we go to Ben on the Davis and Tibbs thing, I will mention two or three cards just in case they turn out to be crackers next week. And I can't say that I haven't mentioned them. Hecky Budler in South Africa getting back on the title train. Vacant World Boxing Council silver light flyweight title against a 7-3-2 and two guy. Jonathan Almasen should get rid of him in reasonable enough fashion. Over in Serbia, a few British fighters turning up here, including Asinia Byfield, uh, Mark Dunlop's big heavyweight, Nick Campbell as well, next Saturday evening in Serbia. Could be something worth a, uh, keeping an eye on Tim Boxeo card there. Uh, 15-0, Evgeny Romanov is going in against the destroyer himself, Dmitry Kudryashov, with his big beard and his big punches next Friday evening, the 21st of May, over in Russia. And finally, Fight Zone kicks off in the Sheffield arena car park quite literally you never know they might be punching lumps out of each other by the end of that one only a pound to sign up for fight zone with dennis hobson i won't be signing up but i wish dan well on this one myron mills against lewis ballingall for the english lightweight title i think it is in the main event so good luck to everybody involved there okay then ben let's get stuck into this tibbs davison situation i will pay the videos first of all and then you can have your say starting off with ben davison this is obviously uh, regarding quit gate billy joe saunders let's get stuck in I got up and whispered in his ear to say, look, you've shown that you belong at this level. You'll get another shot because the fight is close. The fight was close. And Billy Joe was growing into the fight, got caught with a shot. I said, but we're going to have to pull it. That's why he shook his head to say, no, like I'm going back out. I think he even said, you have to check with him, but I think he even said something orthodox or something like to say, I can go orthodox or something along those lines. Um, but he was shaking his head because I was saying to him, look, you've shown you belong at this level. You'll get another shot because the fight is close. It's an injury, but it's got to be pulled. And that's why he shook his head. 
That's Ben Davison. Let's hear what Mark Tibbs has to say then. Hello, people. I just want to clarify one or two things. Ben Davidson was not in our training camp. We saw him, he come, he come about in, I believe, the last week of uh, while we was winding down. But I saw him on the morning of the fight in the hotel room. Um, onto the fight, um, in the round, during the rounds, Billy Joe got injured. I briefed my, my, my corner team that Billy's eyes are injured and I've got a towel for one of them cases I need, in case I needed it. As Billy Joe walked towards me, towards uh, as he walked towards me at the end of the round, I looked directly in his eyes. We had a little bit of dialogue, only a little bit of dialogue, but it was, it was between us. He sits down, as he sits down in the corner, Ben Davidson got control and blew over it, blew down his ear up. I let him have his 20 seconds because I knew what was I, I was about to do on the on the state of that eye. So as he sat down, I, I had some I had some I had some more dialogue with Billy Joe, and uh, that's private. And then I turned around and I waved waved the fight off as Billy Joe's trainer and head coach. It's as simple as that. You can't I can't get any clearer than that. Now. Billy Joe needed uh, uh, looking after, and it was my job to do that. And listen, great fighters have done what Billy Joe Saunders has, has done and been in that position he's been in, and they come again. Now listen, I don't know what all the fuss is about, so I thought I'd get that off my chest because I keep getting phone calls, emails, uh, uh, and whatnot, and that's as plain and simple as it is, and it can be, and that's what happened. That's what happened, everybody. Uh, Mark Tibbs and Ben Davison having their say. Ben Faruqi, you jump in first, sir. Yeah, so really for me, I'm I'm not bothered about the Billy Joe and what whether you know he quit or not or all that nonsense. That that doesn't interest me. But from from my perspective, the way that the media narrative was changed this week, and the way that Mark Tibbs has seemingly been treated um, over the course of the, of the fight week and and of fight night and um, uh, and in the, uh, you know the aftermath is is really bad, and it's upsetting to be honest with you. Um, as somebody who works in boxing, it's um, yeah, it's quite depressing. Um, you know, if, if we just talk about like Ben being in the corner first of all, why was Ben in the corner on fight night? Why was Mark seemingly not aware that he was going to be in the corner on fight night? You know, that's the first question. You know, also when we've seen. Um, you know, uh, prominent figures or, or people of note within boxing, and I'm not saying Ben is, is like Ricky Hatton, but when we've seen Ricky Hatton um, being people's corners before, people have made a big deal out of it. Or, well, you know, Ricky Hatton's going to be in the corner as well. Why was there no, you know, in t at least, yeah, I'm not saying like Sky or whatever, Dazon or whatever should have picked up on this, but why at least did we not see IFL or Boxing Social or any of the other guys who were out there picking up on the fact that he was going to be in the corner on fight night and doing interviews with him and talking about this. It seemingly was sprung on them on fight night or sprung on Tibbs on fight night. And that, to me, speaks volumes. I think it's very worrying and concerning. Um, <clears throat> also, but Ben Davison's caught Taylor Ramirez coming up why is he taking time out of a camp for the undisputed title to come and uh, undisputed title? Sorry, to come and, and uh, <clears throat> focus on on being in Billy Joe's corner. 
if I was Josh Taylor, I'd be quite concerned about that. You know, um, he's left camp during COVID when I'm training to become the undisputed champion and he's gone to be in someone else's corner. It doesn't, it doesn't, you know, seem like something that, um, you know, it should be happening, you know, with, from a consummate professional standpoint, you would say, hang on a minute. Um, and, and look, again, with Ben Davison, oh, I, I've met him, I've interviewed him, blah, blah, blah. Cool guy. But um, from this perspective, it doesn't look great, you know. Um, then we get on to the whole media side of things. Um, there was a number of interviews done with Behind the Gloves, Seconds Out, IFL, Unboxing Social, with Mark Tibbs in the aftermath of the fight. He said the same thing in all of them, pretty much verbatim. He said the same thing, you know? And um, they were all pulled, um, you know, early in the week, right? And um, Coogan has tweeted out that Mark asked me to remove it. And that's all Coogan said. And yes, that's true. Mark did ask Coogan to remove it. Mark did ask every other outlet to remove it. But why did Mark ask him to remove it? What did he say in that interview that was so wrong? You know, from my perspective, there was nothing in there that would warrant the interview being removed. So the questions to ask Coogan really are, why did Mark ask you to remove that? I don't know why Mark asked him to remove that. So I can't really say, but I'm interested to know the answer to this question now because they've been removed and the narrative has been changed. So why, why were they removed? You know, who, who can you can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, go ahead, Ben. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Um, so why were they removed? Um, who's asked Mark? Has, has someone asked Mark to get those videos taken down? Because it seems like a very strange request to be made from someone over an interview that was seemingly harmless, really. You know. So m my questions to Coogan really would be why 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 has he asked you that? What was Mark's what? tone of voice when he approached you to get those taken down? Yeah. Um, and, and then why, why did the video with Ben come onto IFL afterwards where the narrative had shifted and the story had changed? This you know? is the thing. Yeah, this thing. Sorry. Just, 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 one, just one more thing, just one more thing, Rob, and then you can jump in. It's then, this week, I noticed that in the bubble, quite a few of Coogan's videos have got stuff about Billy Joe Saunders, the titling with like Buatzi, Darren Barker, Ryan Rhodes, Sam Jones, etc. They're all bringing in that narrative and that storyline and again it's not uh, uh, um, necessarily a real dig at Coogan I know him I work around him when we're at shows together but this changing of the narratives thing is not something I'm going to accept it's not what and Coogan said he's not a journalist or whatever but it's not it's not right this sort of thing should not be happening pressure should not be being put on media outlets and again Mark's asked them and that's the only reason that a lot of them will have done it because if someone else had come knocking on the door and said, take that video down, I guarantee you Rob Tebbett wouldn't have done it. And Danny Flexen probably wouldn't have done it either. I don't know about Michelle and I don't know about Coogan because they're both affiliated with MTK and they're friends with Billy Joe, etc. So maybe they would have done it, but Rob wouldn't have done it. And I doubt Danny would have done it either. So putting pressure on media like that. And again, it's probably unfairly from Mark's perspective. Like I feel sort of real, really sorry for Mark Tib. Uh, and, um, you know, it's not, it's not good for the spot. Yeah, sorry, I was only I was kind of gonna um elaborate on your point, Ben. Like I if I don't know what the narrative is here and I don't know why there seems to be a move from Saunders's people to silence Mark Tibbs or to change the narrative around what Mark Tibbs said, as if Mark Tibbs had alluded to him quitting. Listen, nobody gives a flying fuck if Billy John Billy Joe Saunders quit on his stool 
to save his, to preserve his career if he had four orbital bones smashed or whatever it is. Nobody really cares. And if they hadn't made such a big deal about it by removing the videos and then putting Ben Davison up with an interview that looks like me trying to fucking make an excuse for not bringing in my homework when I'm in uh, fourth class, like, and the teacher's at me, did you, uh, did you bring in your homework? Um, you'll have to check with me, me man out, but I think uh, I was sick last night and I didn't do it. It was all a bit like, it was all a bit like, you know, we... And and look at I like I don't care I don't have a horse in the race so I don't care if they want to come back out and say that Billy Joe wanted to carry on and Ben Davison was whispering in his ear like the boxing whisperer or whatever doesn't make a difference to me but if they'd have let that go and let it fly it would have been chip paper Joe Gallagher shout to Joe it would have been chip pa- chip paper by Monday morning nobody would have given a fuck and we wouldn't be talking about it this week but because everybody saw the interviews with Tibbs and because everybody saw uh, Davis's interview with a new story then on Thursday. I mean, look, it's not my opinion on it or our opinion on it's not really that important. But go look at the comments on that Ben Davison video. Do you think anybody's buying that? Absolutely fucking nobody. And what they did was put Tibbs in a position then where he had to come out and defend himself. And I actually felt, I, I would echo that with Ben. I felt sorry for him. Tibbs hasn't done anything wrong to anybody. He's protected his fighter. He's done what he's supposed to do. And he, he appears to be, after catching flack over it, or, the the media outlets to get them to, to take down videos and like what is the point with the whole world saw the fight right so no matter what the best version of billy joe saunders wasn't good enough to beat the best version of canelo rematch that ben davidson's talking about absolutely fucking forget about that that's not happening in a million years he's not getting a rematch with canelo so he can take his eight million he'll live and breathe and fight another day i'm sure he's got his multi-millions in the bank he'll be okay nobody really cares that much but so why have they gone made such massive efforts to, to, I guess, silence Tibbs and then change what he was saying to make it look like Ben Davidson was running the corner. Save his reputation. Save his reputation. But it hasn't, though. But it hasn't. It's backfired, right? Hasn't it? Yeah. So, you know, it's made it worse, if anything. So, a strange move for me, but not something I care too much about, to be honest with you. This is what I mean. If they'd just left it alone and they hadn't... So, why, why not just put that Ben Davidson video out anyway, even if it contradicts Mark? And why not just put Billy Joe's statement out if it contradicts Mark? Why did Mark have to go around calling people to get those videos removed? It's really strange. And it does it's not like this thing happens every week in boxing, you know. It's 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 underhand sort of stuff and it shouldn't be happening to the media. It just goes to show you some of the things that go on behind the scenes. And there's a lot of other things like this that happen, but um it's not acceptable, you know. And this is this is why the state of boxing media is a bit of a joke, to be honest with you, or a massive joke really, you know. So um so yeah. I'm not going to stand for it personally. I think he's Aussie now. You've got a lot of people all singing from the same hymn sheet or money flowing from the same direction. So is this going to be the future now? Maybe the videos won't even be deleted in the future because they won't even go up in the first place. It is, and, and it's a narrative, and it's exactly that. And, and what is the one common denominator from it? And I know people don't like talking about it, but it's the managerial group, MTK. Spencer Fearon was talking about it during the week and backing up... Um, backing up Ben Davidson, Spencer Fearon, employed by MTK, supporting a trainer um, who is in with MTK, uh, whose video appeared on a channel owned by MTK. So there's a big common denominator. And it, oh, by the way, it was about a fighter who is managed by MTK. And I think the wider picture is that the hold that the managerial group have got on the sport itself. Now, Mark Tibbs did, and we've both we've all said it. Mark Tibbs did absolutely nothing wrong, and what he's been made out to be is a scapegoat, and it's it's somewhat bullying, really, that they've all ganged up and tried to turn the tables on him and say that they tried to say Saunders wanted to continue. Well, 
what what they're trying to do is that they forget that this fight was live. You know, like a lot of people watched this fight and there was nothing in that that I saw that Saunders wanted to continue. There was no... A fighter he wanted to continue is Deontay Wilder when Mark Breland threw a towel in and he was pissed off that that fight was stopped. That is a fighter he wants to continue. Whether it was right or wrong, he wanted to carry on. Billy Joe Saunders wasn't bothered. Now, there's nothing wrong with that, but it's the team, it's... it's his team, and it's the PR job that they've tried to patch it up on, they have made it 10 times worse. Now, I've been told that Mark Tibbs found out that Ben Davidson was going to be in the corner at the weigh-in. Now, I mean, come on. Talk about undermining, you know, like your head coach there. Davidson was not part of that. I think, I think they were away together four months. Tibbs, Saunders, out in Spain, then, you know, moving over to the US, etc. things like that. Tibbs was away from his family. I think he saw them three times in four months. He was away for a hell of a long time. And then his former coach decides to come to the, join the party at the start of fight week and then join the corner on the basically on the day of the weigh-in. And then who could you hear during the fight? It was always Davison bellowing out instructions. It's not, you know, like you've got your, you know, your head coach and then you've got your bucket man, you've got your cut man who all sing off the same hymn sheet. Davison's not been involved in any sort of tactics whatsoever. Why is he talking to Billy Joe in the corner, giving, you know, like 25, 30 seconds? You only get a minute in between. So he's basically using half the time. Now, I think if they were going to continue, Tibbs would have said basically, shut the fuck up. This I am leading this corner. Do one. You hold the bucket. That's all you're here for. He didn't need to do that because he knew the fight was going to be stopped. But it's absolutely bizarre. And I think it's a disgrace the way Mark Tibbs has been treated, who comes across as a really good bloke. And I didn't watch those videos, you know, like after the fight and thought, bloody hell, he's thrown Saunders under the bus. Because he just repeated what we all saw. Billy Joe didn't want to continue because he'd had it the fucking his right side of his face caved in and he was saved for another day. That's not it. Only, not only that, Ozzy, he took the blame on his own shoulders. He said it was my decision. I, yeah. I made the decision. I made the call. Exactly that. Yeah, exactly that. And that immediately takes the heat off the fighter immediately. It was my decision. Exactly what Mark Breland did. I decided to call it because I saw blood coming from Deontay Wilder's ear. Mark Tibbs. I decided to call that fight because I didn't get a response from Billy, what I wanted, and I could tell his eye was badly damaged. No problem. Draw a line under it. You'll get a bit of stick, you know, from the people who said he quit. That'd be it. If that had been left, we would not be having this conversation now. But the fact is, they've tried to do a PR job on it. They've had all the people. And I, and I revert back. The two differences was... When Daniel Dubois took a knee, and he basically, he made that decision, Dubois, he boxed for eight rounds with a busted eye, and it became too much, and he had to make that decision. The Vultures, IFL, Coogan went through his phone book, so did Umar, they all went through their phone book and had people on speed dial. It's a case of conduct interview, finish, let's get another one on. There was oh, more than 40 videos, 50 videos uploaded after the Dubois-Joyce fight, after Saunders and Canelo. Now, bear in mind, you've got a time difference, so I understand that. So you're not going to, you know, get everything churned out straight away because, you know, just because of the time difference, there was 12. There was 12. Where were the likes of Bellew, Frotch, all Dave Caldwell? They either stuck the narrative of there was no quick job and he was going to go blind, 
or they weren't to be seen at all. And I revert back again. IFL are nothing more than a mouthpiece for MTK and their managed fighters. And if Coogan disagrees, he's been on this podcast before, I invite him to come on and he can debate with us. Because at the end of the day, we're all adults and I'll happily have a debate. And if he comes up with comments that completely say why they've done it, no problem. I'll respect that. I won't just have a go at him, you know, because I disagree with them. They're there to be debated. But I will take it on face value. And Mark Tibbs has been completely thrown under a bus and no one seems to care, basically. One final thing from me, when Mark Tibbs uploaded that video, he's had over 200,000 views on his own social media profiles now from that video he uploaded. How many times do we see these media channels rip videos off people's respective Instagrams, Twitters, Facebooks, and put their, put them on their own channels to generate views. This is gold for them. Tibbs, Tibbs responds back, quashes Davidson claims. You know it just does clicks, doesn't it? Not one Puss, media... Pussy and views, us. Pussy and views. They'll put up anything. Exactly. They'll put up Ty- Tyson Fury dancing in a circle for 10 seconds, usually. Of course they will. It's, like, it's commonplace within the industry. Why, yeah. why hasn't this and I've not, I've, I've nothing, and there's nothing wrong with that. That ultimately they get paid it's per part of views it's and part, per yeah, videos. It's part, it's part of course of it is. Of course it is. I understand that. So you're, why? Right. So why, why would they not, not put that up? Why has yep. that not gone up? Because Mark Tibbs, you you wouldn't put something out in the public domain and then stop it from going on respected boxing channels, would you? Otherwise, why would you put something out in the public domain? Now, like I said, he comes across as an excellent bloke, Mark Tibbs. He he was, you know, he did countless media stuff throughout the whole process. And after it, he was readily available. You know, he didn't hide away, he didn't shoo away. And for me, he has been made a complete scapegoat because he went against the grain and called it as it is. And as I say, they forget thousands, hundreds of thousands of people watch that fight live. We knew what we saw, and they're hmm. trying to tell us something different. When, where, where was Burpee Ben when it came to measuring the ring? It was Mark Tibbs that was doing it. So where was all the team out there, you know, backing him up, making sure everything was exactly. in order? Great, great point, great point. Where was he? And I thought, I thought Ben's point about leaving Josh Taylor again, yeah, you know, in, in Taylor's biggest Taylor fight was there. Career, Taylor was there, though. Taylor was in town. Remember, he, remember oh, he, was, was he? He, was smashing, he was smashing Fury to the body, remember? Uh, of course he was, yeah. He was, yeah. He but, was, yeah. but even still, that's, was, it's yeah. still not acceptable taking your fighter out of camp. Let's mm. go and move. Let's During COVID times, let's go and fuck off to Vegas yeah. and do this. Or even yeah. out of that camp setting and, and go off and do this. Mm-hmm. If I was Josh Taylor, I would not be happy about that. I don't know what the fuck's going yeah. on. Be, be a bit different if he was the lead trainer. And, you know, you've got two fights within the space of two weeks. You know, big fights. Canelo and then Ramirez. You know, that's fine. That That is boxing, that, and that happens. But the fact is he wasn't, and I think he's low. You know, he, he's, he's an MTK mole. That's what he is. You know, he's their preferred trainer. They send their fighters to him, you know, at a certain level. It used to be Danny Vaughan, Jamie Moore's in that bracket as well. And I don't care what these people think. We're small fry compared to them, but we're not stupid. They have got preferred trainers. As every man, you know, like Frank Warren is, you know, he's, he's fairly, he's signed with Al Smith. Certain times he's signed with Dominic Ingle as well when he sent Saunders there and he sent Willie Hutchinson there as well. Um, at one point, you know, Eddie Hearn sent a lot of fighters to Joe Gallagher, uh, Tony Sims, people like that. That happens. But at the same time as well, for me, 
it, it just sets you off on the wrong foot when a former trainer was drafted. I say drafted in. Davidson's, um, they've got history of this. Do you not know remember when Caldwell appeared in Dillian White's corner, you know, just out the blue a week before the Povetkin fight? He mm. was drafted in. What can he do there? What serious value does he offer? I think they panicked, Aussie, in that case, didn't they? They yeah. panicked because it was such an inexperienced corner. Yeah, and, and at the same time, and I wouldn't mind as well, Mark Tibbs is not inexperienced. He has grown up around the sport from day one. His dad is probably one of the best English trainers that's been around. He's excellent, Jimmy Tibbs. And I think if Jimmy Tibbs was probably, you know, I'm not saying he's unwell or anything, but, you know, he wanted to, Jimmy Tibbs probably would have been in that corner as well. And had the fight been in the UK, I think he would have been there as well. But Mark Tibbs has got a proven record of improving fighters and, you know, has shown he is not inexperienced. He's been involved in big fights and he's shown he can do it. He did not need, Ben Davidson did not need to be drafted in for inexperience. It's undermined the head trainer and it puts you off on the back foot. And I think Mark Tibbs has come out after this and revealed this video because, quite frankly, he's had enough and he's pissed off. And that video wasn't just targeted at anybody, it was aimed at one person, and that's Ben Davidson, who I think he's just seen it and thought, fuck this. And Ben Davidson then replied, put a tweet out at like midnight and said, let the fight, like, let's listen to the fighter. And then a few minutes later, deleted it. If you're going to do that, have the, ball, have the balls and leave it out there. You know, don't just hide behind, you know, your mobile phone and put a tweet out. Have the balls and, you know, or take it offline then and you have it out face to face and you get it sorted, you shake hands and you go away. Not just having cheap jibes today. I mean, for what it's worth, I don't think Saunders will work with Tibbs again. I think mm. the, the bridges have been burned, not because Mark Tibbs did anything wrong, but because he went against the grain and went against, you know, potentially damaged Saunders' reputation. When in reality, the PR job that they've tried to do, tried to do to patch this up, has done more damage. Because if you look at the video, the tweets out from like Coogan Cassius, Umar, when they put this Davidson video out, look at the responses. 95% are negative. Usually it's all positive, you know, like and stuff you makes you cringe, but it's all negative and nobody's yeah. buying into it. Can I just one more thing on it. Sorry, one more thing on it. Just talking about the economics of, of hiring a trainer. Now, normally, if you've got someone who's your regular trainer and they're on a proper contract, you're getting ten percent at least. You know, they're getting the ten percent, and when you're getting five million, it's a lot of money to be paying someone, right? So, if mm. you go and get like, so the, the sort of the talk when 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 Tyson went to Sugar Hill was Sugar Hill's getting a flat fee. Now, if I'm paying a flat fee, if I'm earning twenty million and I'm paying a flat fee of hundred grand or two hundred grand, it's uh, you know, it's um, it's a lot less than I would be paying if I was if I was paying my percentages. Um, uh, and so people people do do those things to save a lot of money. Do you do? Does anybody think there's a chance that he thought right instead of paying Ben Davidson my percentage, even though he's my friend and he's also got Taylor Ramirez coming up? Um, maybe I should just um, get someone who I know, who I have a previous history with. Um, and I can trust, they can work the camp and I can pay them a flat fee, save a hell of a lot of money, and then, you know, look what happened on fight night, although, you know, Ben gets drafted in to come and help his buddy, and that's all. That's the only person we hear from, from the corner. See, the thing is, like, there must be something about Davison that guys have him around, like he was around Fury, he was around Saunders, and kind of all that's irrelevant if, you know, if this 
this interview gate doesn't happen Im- immediately in the aftermath. It has everybody questioning Ben Davidson's involvement and why he was there and what he was doing, etc. Like there must be something about Davidson that top fighters haven't been around him for training. You see him in there with Haney, even though Haney's come out and clarified that he's not going to be his coach, but he mu- and he's with Josh Taylor. So there is something positive that, uh, about Ben Davidson in a way, obviously ability wise or what in, in, in the things he's able to do. I'm not privy to any of it because I haven't been in, in around him or whatever, but. It just makes it all irrelevant, and it, it makes everybody question everything with, with the approach that they've taken to this this rollout. It's just, it's been shocking, really abysmal, abysmal. And, and like I said, we wouldn't even be talking about it this week if it hadn't happened. So, uh, Matty, final word from you. A couple of observations from the other week, especially regarding Quickgate, which we won't spend too much time on um, uh, after this. But uh, I think there were a couple of he- things laying heavy on Billy Joe Saunders' uh, shoulders when he made that decision, which he clearly did, that he didn't want to carry on. First of all, the Dubois issue with the eye. And secondly, I think the sort of um, the myth of the gypsy fighting man, of, you know, I noticed that going along Twitter along and it was a bit of a joke at first. And, you know, there's a lot of hard bastards out there, but I think that weighs heavy sometimes. You know, elevated to this superhuman state us almost you know and there's no quitting and every time you hit somebody they go down and I think that weighed heavy on Saunders' shoulders you know it could in in a way especially when you're in the uh, literal and figurative shadow of Tyson Fury Um, but people are irrational when they think about these things you know it's kind of like you know Hopkins when he said you know I'll never lose to a white boy Um, you know uh, nobody based on race, background, nationality, anything like that is unbreakable. You might have certain people who have certain talents that are more uh, inherent to different people, but at the end of the day, the human body is fragile, and if you get hit in it enough, you are going to go down or you're going to take damage. And uh, I think uh, one of the most important things that fighters always need to remember is that they're human and... uh, and uh, they're in a sport where the unexpected constantly happens. So it's probably best to uh, build up good karma and to not uh, let your mouth write checks that your ass can't cash. Yeah, that's good advice for Saul, episode four, two, three. Go ahead, Andy. Just briefly, did anybody like to watch that Ben Davison link and just say to to yourself, he would look so much like if he would go away and dye his hair black, got a couple of sunbeds, and get an Iraqi uniform on, and he can call himself Baghdad Bob or Muhammad Khalid <laughs> Al Shahif, right? AKA Comical Ali. Because that was a type of shine that he was coming out with there, by the way, right? So, see, as everybody said, Mark Tibbs came out, Wee's video, or Wee's interview, sorry, and to me, he came across genuine. Um, he says he's tried to ask the guy, do you want to go one more round? Did they get the response he liked? He stopped the fight, right? I don't recall Ben Davis never, you know, jumping the ropes. I need to go back and check it again. But to come out and basically whitewash it, that's what's happened here, right? Just trying to whitewash the whole situation. As you said, right as well. We've all seen the fight. Everybody's seen it. Fucking four o'clock in the morning, we all sat and watched it. And to just, to then take, doing all those videos, I believe it was, was it the Wednesday night, I think we were, we were talking about, where's these videos going to? And then lo and behold, up he comes, Comical Ali, Baghdad Bob, or Burpee Ben Davison, and he spouts all that shite. Oh, you maybe need to go and ask him, you know, what he's actually said, but I can go orthodox. Well, if he was going to go orthodox, like he said and stuff, you would have fucking said, you would have said that. Instead of that, he said, no, I can't see. So the fight got pulled. You put Tibbs in the position. You told your trainer you cannot see. So Mark Tibbs has got one 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 option: pull the fight. So he's got to do. But to come well, out and actually throw the guy under the bus like this, I, I, I feel absolutely sorry for Tibbs actually because I tell you what, if I was going into a big fight or whatever, not or any or any was was going into a fight uh, and you want to train in your corner, but Mark Tibbs, no fucking Ben Davis, not be turning to. I tell you that much. 
going orthodox wouldn't have had anything to do with anything either. He he caught that shot leaning over. I mean, there's numerous ways when you're bending down to get caught with a punch in the face. That would have had shit to do with fucking shit. It was not a, a good tactical change to preserve him for more rounds. We go, Matty has spoken. Let's get stuck into the proper action next weekend, then shall we? Value the weeks is still to come. Georgie Vladov says, I'm here for the char-lovejoy discussion. Were you in the wrong place, sir? Because we've already discussed that. You may hit the rewind button on episode 423. The boys are all here in full force to discuss Josh Taylor against Jose Ramirez. Ben's with us, Rob, Matty, Ozzy, Andy Patterson and me, Steve. This is the big one, Saturday the 22nd of May. Gabe has had his take. Virgin Hotels in Las Vegas. I think that's the old hard rock, actually. Uh, Brad Goodman is the matchmaker. Nobody cares about that. More to the point, Andy. Let's go to you first of all. I can't see how this fight fails to ignite, to be honest with you. Both of these boys are unbeaten. They can both box. They both love to stand and trade. There's going to be body shots flying in. The winner becomes undisputed at 140. Cut the bullshit, man. I just can't wait for this fight. I'm the same, man. I'm really thinking about staying up for it next week. I'm talking about like cancelling all alcohol. Yeah. Go to bed about 8 o'clock. Get up at 2, 3 in the morning, sit and watch us. I'm really You're full of shit. You're going to do no such thing. Yeah, I was up, at, so I was up last week. <laughs> I was up last week. Rob, did they make it, though? Rob's a Rob. quitter. <laughs> Rob. <laughs> but uh, no, you're right, mate. This is, this is genuine 50-50. Um, hey, can I just say... I saved myself so that I can come back and fight another day. There's nothing wrong with that. We shouldn't be uh, <laughs> should be showing that kind of behaviour. <laughs> We're going to delete this podcast, though, Rob, and have a different turn of events <laughs> next week. Yeah, I'll be Mrs. on saying he wanted to get up. <laughs> I will. We're going to issue a new video. Say Ben Davison was correct all along. He's a top trainer. You know, he's 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 not he's not a legs bums and tummies man be wrong for gym, you know. Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah, so as for the fight, fifty fifty in my book. Um really, really good fight. I think um it kinda felt to ignite for me really. I mean you see Ramirez is you know he's, he's a He's got a good out, uh, output. I, I, I maybe just looked into too much his postal performance actually. And, and again, when I go back and think about the Taylor fight against Postal, they both struggled with him, to be honest. So um, I maybe I just looked too much into that performance of Ramirez in his last fight and that. But just going back off the hooker fights and the raw score and that, I mean, he starts quick. He's throwing good combos. Left hooks, left uppercuts are pretty brutal, especially left hook to the body. Um, he can start off pretty quick, as I say. Um, decent jab. You know, if he gets you on the hook like he did against Hooker, um, if he hurts you, he is rapidly on you and uh, he can put you to sleep or put you to bed pretty quick. Um, Taylor, pretty much the same, actually. You know, he likes it, likes a scrap. Um, has got problems with kind of marking up, probably cuts, swellings, possibly. Um, the red miss will come down at points. He will need to stand and trade at some point. Um, two big guys for the weight as well. So maybe the weight difference or, or, or the weight cut could be interesting. Josh has always, you know, looked quite so much frail but he has looked like he's still like drawn at the way in and this will probably be his last fight with the margin at 140 if he wins and he goes up and way after this so um i think um if josh can maybe throw one through in between ramirez he's, sometimes he can throw wide shots if he can maybe throw in between that and um uh, and maybe try and hurt him that way just jab to the body and that as well he, he, can, he can get tagged in there as well to the body um i see ramirez can throw right hands and that uh, down there as well so one thing i would probably say is um he, when he does back off in his shots, I think Taylor needs to respond with him. Uh, just you know, when his volume dips, Ramirez, I think that's when Taylor's then going to respond. Um, and don't trade too much. You know, if he stands in the hole for too long, that is when he could get tagged, get hurt. And if that weight cut is about a problem, 
and he starts taking body shots. Who knows? We saw last night and we saw it last week when the body shots start taking you know the heat out, rest sort of the, the energy right out of you. So great fight. Um, I'm going to go points at the minute. Um, I was actually wanting to get wait to see the, how the weighing goes now, but at the minute, mm. Mm, come on, honestly, I, this week I was thinking about Ramirez. I was really thinking about Ramirez uh, winning this fight during the course of the week. There, um, probably you know, struggle with Zapata, who's a southpaw. Uh, I think one of the scorecards in that fight, if they scored the 12th round to someone else, it could have been a draw, etc. That so that might be a factor as well, be, him being a southpaw. But mm, I'm going to go Ramirez on points. Ooh, I've seen a lot of people saying Andy Taylor's already beaten the number, the best number two, which was Regis Progre. But I mean, Ramirez yeah. is a hell of a fighter. It's a close fight, though, mate. It was a close fight. Mm. Uh, the the Progre fight. I, 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 I know, as I say, Taylor won the fight. But um, I just think uh, Ramirez, okay, he's not been in the same level of opponents. He's no, you know, maybe being brought up kind of slightly slower. But I just think uh, there's quite a lot to like about him, um, especially and as well. You know, apparently he's he's a gym rat, and if Taylor's not been taking you know the life seriously, I think he is. I think he's been taking this seriously. But there's, there's some question marks about his life outside the ring sometimes, and that. So that might be a wee factor. But um, great fight, as I says. I just repeat myself now and. Maybe yeah. change my pick come come the end of next week and that, but at the minute, <laughs> I just like I just like what Ramirez does as well. I like obviously I've been I've watched Taylor all the way. I've seen Taylor in the gym four weeks before the the Olympics in twenty twelve, sparring Ricky Burns before Burns rolled out with the fence. Um, so I've I've seen him all the way, and I want him to win. I hope he wins, but at the minute, I just think uh, Ramirez just could get the better. I'm just slightly, so I'm going to say it's going to be close in the cards. I think I think it's going to be like one fifteen, one thirteen type fight. Could go either way, but I'm going to go Ramirez at the minute. Fair play, Andy. Andy goes for Ramirez on points uh, with view to mind being firmly changed. One person who is taking life seriously is Gary French, friend of the pod now that he has just become with a five-pound super chat. Thank you very much, Gary. Much appreciated from you. If anybody wants to match Gary, hit that super chat button and give the lads a bit of love. Value for value show is the Boxing Asylum Nutters podcast. We have you every Sunday evening free. Always will be free, Aussie. Tell you what, Josh Taylor's record, if he wins, will be 18-0. Look at all the opponents. Look at the belts. Look at the accomplishments. He's fitted into 18 fights in six years. There's been a remarkable lack of fucking about throughout Josh Taylor's career. Oh, I completely agree. And he is the prime example of how to match somebody, isn't he? There's been, as you say, you know, there's been no fucking about from when he first boxed Dave Ryan at the uh, at the Meadowbank. Uh, in Edinburgh, you know, from what was, you know, it wasn't an easy fight. Ryan had come off a couple of good wins for a Commonwealth title, uh, and then he beat O'Hara Davis. How can we forget that fight, you know, given all the background behind it? Um, didn't have it all his own way against like the likes of Miguel Vasquez, you know, like he stopped Miguel Vasquez, but Vasquez, you know, asked questions of him, and it's just the way he's been matched. And Victor Postal and Dogger, the cards were poor that day, but, um, but, you know, he, he was a more than worthy winner against Postal. And then Ryan Martin, he, he you know, just mine wasn't on his level. Then Baranchik, again, wasn't easy. But, again, just excellent. And then the Prograde win, which was a career best one, was outstanding. And Andy said it right, it was close. But Taylor, you know, was the correct winner, in my opinion. And now it brings it to, you know, the, the Ramirez fight, which is... You know, it's for all the marbles. It's an excellent, excellent fight. And it's difficult, really. It's going to be interesting because, look, this is realistically 
um, Taylor's first proper fight with Ben Davison. We're talking about him again, aren't we? Um, ben Davison, because I know he had that fight with that um, that Kong song, but come on, like that's one of the you know the typical shoddy IBF mandatories. We learned nothing from that, and again, Taylor probably could have just gone and done some decent sparring himself, and you know, and and just did his own road work and beat Kong song without any coach in the corner. But we get to you know we get to the Ramirez fight. Uh, I, I see. I, I'm more. I, I've said Taylor. I think Taylor will beat him from the offset. And I, and I think he could, um, and I said he'd win quite handedly. I actually think he could stop Ramirez, and, I, and I'm going to stick with that because I really rate Josh Taylor. I think we have he has been tested, you know, like with you know, like he's not. I think the only thing I do, he's been cut, hasn't he? So he's had that sort of test. I don't think he's been he's not been dropped, but he, you know, he's had his whiskers tested because O'Hara Davis can bang, and Davis landed some big shots on Taylor, and he took them well. Um, I know we're talking about levels, but you know when you're a puncher, regardless, you know you can, you've still got to take those shots. Um, and and I just think, I think Taylor will will have too much for him. I don't think he'll get him out of there early, but I think it will either be a late stoppage, um, talking you know like between rounds ten and twelve, or it'll be you know the the, the bell will save him in the final rounds, and that is Ramirez. Um, like I said, I think Taylor's massive at one forty. Um, can clearly punch. Excellent, excellent um, boxer in general. And I think I just look at the past, you know, like certain wins, you know, like where, you know, R Ramirez didn't have it all his own way with uh, Jose Zapida. And then I thought he had a very close fight with Victor Postal as well. And you just mm -hmm. look at the way Taylor dealt with Postal. And I know triangle theory theories don't always work, but I think in this instance, when you've but they've both boxed postal in relatively their prime, and you look at how somebody dealt with the one fighter dealt with X compared to the other one, um, for me, I, I I side with Josh Taylor and pretty confidently in that as well. And and, and like I say, I'll go with either um, a late stoppage in like rounds ten to twelve, or um, or it'll be you know the bell will save him as Taylor's really getting him you know up in the ante in the last round. And um, he'll get, you know, he'll get a wide points win. Now, Matty, I'm interested to get the view from you across the pond. What standing does the winner have? I mean, regarding like pound for pound and whatnot, people aren't always fussed on that. But this is a 50-50 fight. It's a clear statement of intent from both guys. Pat on the back for Taylor and Ramirez for taking it. What kind of standing does the winner have? Oh, I think you'd probably have to call him top 20-ish. You know, they're they're single weight guys. Um, not not uh, not 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 a lot of fights, so I don't think you can quite move them up into that top ten ladder. But uh, they're definitely showing their uh, their metal in this fight. Um, and undisputed uh, champion at the weight. Yeah, it's and um, I'm trying to think. Uh, I, I when was the last time 140 was unified? I'm trying to come up with that. Uh, Big Terry. Crawford. Crawford. Big Terry. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, you know, for me, this fight, I, I, I think the Davidson factor is interesting. The fact that maybe they're fucking around a little too much the last month of training camp is very interesting. Ramirez is also big at the weight. Ramirez is 5'10". He's got a little bit better reach than Taylor. Um, and I, I think, yeah, he has had some close fights. The Postal one is a little concerning, you know, because that tells you maybe if if uh, Taylor can uh, keep him straight, keep him up the middle, he could, uh, with that extra bit of uh, seasoning he has over a guy like Postol, he could have a fairly easy night. But all of that said, I feel like 
with the close fight that Ramirez had over Zapata, say that fight goes either way. Uh, for me, Zapata could be the two or three best in the division or the best in the division if he got the fights. He really is an exceptional fighter. So I, I, I think when you look at depth of resume, I'm actually going to to give a little bit more um, to to Ramirez than I think other people are waiting it. And I I think since it's in it's in the States, travel's a factor. You have to, if it goes to the cards, you have to give Ramirez probably, you have to give him a round advantage starting off just because it's stateside. Uh, my hunch, my hunch is going to be is Ramirez on this one, and he's about a two to one underdog too, like Figueroa was. He's not that deep. Um, There's a fans of this fight, might Dino. Well, yeah, I think uh, there is. I think Joe I, Kennedy said that he was getting tickets. Joe's in the chat. If I'm incorrect, uh, Joe, do let me know. Go ahead, boys. Yeah, in Vegas, I, I think we're good. I I think they're I mean, opened up. I saw that Joe is going. He's got tickets. Yeah, I saw him put the post out. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I just, my, I, I'm also going Ramirez. I, and it's, and I think Taylor's an exceptional fighter. Um, I, I just think that a, a couple of the external factors might be weighing, uh, in Ramirez's fact, uh, uh, in Ramirez's corner. There's another Ramirez pick for Matty this time. Uh, super chats are like buses throwing a fiver. Another one will soon follow. Jim McDonald boxing says, big up lads. Just want to give a massive shout out to Justin from the tea leaf company in Brighton as well. Thanks for the Earl Grey. A good lad. Yep, Joe Kennedy's there. He is indeed going to the fight. Have a great time, Joe. Feel free to jump on next week and give us the lowdown if you want. Joe, friend of the pod, a subscriber over at patreon.com forward slash boxing asylum as well. Matty mentioned the uh, judges and the points uh, possibility, Rob Kelly. Uh, so I've seen it mentioned that if the fight goes to the cards, that might favour Ramirez. Hopefully the judges will be experienced Las Vegas veterans. We can all have confidence. There'll be no bullshit involved. <laughs> Adelaide Bird! <laughs> Definitely not in a town like Vegas. I mean, everything. There's not everything's, everything's just got to go to plan. Um, I'm kind of torn on this fight. I, I, I initially thought Taylor was going to buzz through Ramirez uh, when the fight was made, but I think I had a bit of recency bias uh, based on on um, Taylor's win over Progray. Um, Postal, I don't know if you can make an argument really for the two of their performances against. As Postal is a tough night for anybody, even now just one of them fellas that's hard to look good against so um i mean a lot of people if you look back to it there was the 50 50 split in the boxing community over postal and crawford when it was made and that was a kind of a, a win that was overlooked for Terence crawford on the way up i think anyway because i think postal's a terrific fighter losing your up if we can read too much into that um, I think a body shot could end this. I think who who can take it to the body more might be a deciding factor, especially if they're going to go in the pocket. Um, both big at the weight for 140 has been referenced already. I think it presents an interesting option for Josh Taylor if he could win this fight because he could go up and be a legitimate British welterweight opponent for Terence Crawford rather than uh, the dead body, dead bodies um, ghost town of, of British welterweights that he's ever been facing in the last... Uh, two to three years with American and Kedbrook. Where's my neighbour? All right, Jim. Um, Hi, Jim. So I think like it, it's other than that. I mean, if you, if if you're going to dig up any more British welterweights for Terence Crawford, you might as well get Lloyd Hunnigan. So that's um that's an interesting proposition for for the winner in the, in that fight because both of them could have the potential to move up to 47, both with top rank. And Crawford needs an, an opponent to dance a dance partner badly, but 
aside from that, all the marbles at stake, I think it's going to be a balls to the wall slow fest. Um, and I'm just going to get, I'm going to stick with giving Josh Taylor the edge, but I wouldn't be surprised either way with the result. Yeah, one thing I'm thinking, Ben, I was never the biggest Ramirez fan, but he's got a good engine and he's a good solid fighter and it's going to be a hell of a test for, for Taylor. The thing is, when you look at Ramirez, his biggest, his best win was probably Maurice Hooker and that ended up in a bit of a shootout. I'm not going to disparage Hooker when I probably am going to know, but he, he's OK. He's a good fighter, but he ended up in a shootout. They got rid of him in the sixth round. But the fights that have actually gone the distance for Ramirez, where he's had to do it consistently over 12 rounds against Zapeda, majority decision, Victor Postol, majority decision. So if it goes late, does that favour Taylor? If you know what I mean, the biggest win of Ramirez was ended before time. I know it's a bit of a stupid thing to say, but do you get where I'm coming from here? Yes, I do. But um, <clears throat> you know what? Um... Like Ozzy said, you know the scorecards for um, for Postal Taylor. Like I, I was there. Andy was there. Um, I was Triple A that night, so I was working behind the scenes doing a little video for Cyclone and stuff. And um, I know the overall feeling was they were they were quite concerned during that fight that um, you know of how close it was. Um, and and like Postal, as everyone said, is is an underrated fighter. Um, so having him as a win, and especially at the stage Josh did, is is good. But for me, the, the worry is um, with Josh is that, um, it, like Andy said about the weight, is how 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 well is he going to do with the weight? And he wants to move up to one forty seven. He's made that quite clear. Um, so that's my concern. You know, <clears throat> I was quite all in on the Josh. I've been in on the Josh Taylor Taylor's train since he was an amateur. You know, and um, uh, when it first got announced, like Rob, I thought, yeah, Taylor's taking this, and and I still I still going with Taylor for the win. Um, but I think it's going to be a lot closer than um, than a lot of people uh, have expected to start with or, or have thought. Um, and I think Ramirez will, will do well. Um, but Josh is, Josh is great at that mid-range. And um, me and Rob Tebbett were talking about, about this earlier on. And, um, you know, I think that's, that's going to be uh, one of the sort of deciding factors, really. Um, on the inside, I think he's better than, than people um, often say so. I think um, I think those two things will um, will edge it for for Josh in the end. But um, I wouldn't be um, surprised if the scorecards are a bit funny e either way. Yeah, I think the weight will be a concern. I'm going to go a little bit niche on my prediction, which is probably going to be wrong anyway. But I think that's going to be nip and tuck. But people generally think Taylor's getting the better of it and pulling away. And he'll drop uh, Mires in the last couple of rounds a couple of times and then win a really narrow scorecard, like as if those knockdowns have made all the difference and people can't believe it was so close. That, that I think it'll go something like that. Like I say, it's a bit niche, but there you go. Might as well stick your neck on the line. So everybody has had their say. If you want to have a say in the chat, you can do indeed. Let us know how you see it going. Uh, just before we go on to Belly of the Weeks for episode, what are we on now? 423. Ozzy, anything to say about uh, Sam Eggington against Carlos Molina? We're supposed to have Sam on tonight. I think he's got other things to attend to rather than talking to the likes of us. Uh, Eggington, Molina, Casey Benjamin, Martin Harkin, old Peter Patters is back again, Michael Hennessy Jr., Stephen McKenna, Channel 5 there, Ozzy? Um, not really. Uh, I'm, I was surprised to see Eggington's gone up to 160 now after, you know, he battered Theophane at the back end of last year at, down at 154. Um, I don't know if, you know, this is just some sort of, you know, because he's got an opportunity to win a, a high-level ranking belt. But I, I would think, I mean, we saw Carlos Molina against, I can't believe how many fights he's had since he boxed um, Josh Kelly. He must have had about 10 or 12 fights, but I would suspect Eggington will have too much. 
Uh, wrestling on the card is okay. You know, good Midlands area title fight. Uh, Pitter's making his return after that heavy KO loss against Craig Richards and uh, Kaisy Benjamin against Martin Arkin. Decent fight. Yeah, it, it's okay. Um, like I said, I, I'm not high on the main event, but a couple of the undercard fights have got an interest. Um, and yeah, that pillar Idris, Idris Virgo's on there again. It just, again, keeps getting more airtime. He, he makes Prince Patel a likeable character, that Idris Virgo. Prince Patel doing videos now on YouTube. Let's go to Belly of the Week then before we close it for episode 423. Just heard Ooh. from Ozzy and he's here too. Matty, Rob, Ben, they're all still on with us. What should we do to the intro to the Belly of the Week? That's the question. I'll tell you what, we like to motivate you on a Sunday evening, get you ready for the week. No better motivator than the main man himself, Spencer. Ready to get pumped up here, boys. How many more people could have gone so much further? You know what I mean? I, I, I live it by like, this ain't goes for life. And boxing has taught me this, right? That if you don't step forward, that you're always going to be in the same place. Always going to be in the same place. So you have to go for your, your dreams, your aspirations. Because you're either going to live your dreams and aspirations, you're going to live your fears and desperations. And I've seen this now because people don't step forward. People have a, a they don't want to ask. They don't ask. So the answer is always going to be no. So because they won't ask, they're always going to get no's in their lives. This is what boxing taught me. And boxing also taught me like, if you don't go after your dreams, right? If you don't go after your goals, you know what? You'll never have them. Fucking boxers taught me you got brain damage. Tell you what. I feel like <laughs> I feel like he just snapped. I feel like he just snapped that up from like an infomercial where you flip houses. <laughs> yeah, Hashtag motivation you can Monday, see it. Ben. It's like a pyramid scheme. A guy trying to sell you a pyramid scheme, isn't it? It's ridiculous. <laughs> Talking about infomercials, by the way. <laughs> when I was like, obviously, despair day, actually, I noticed this fucking hair advert on, on the telly, right? I'm saying to myself, I'll wait for fucking Floyd Mayweather to pop up here at some point, you know? Fucking tragic, man. Fucking. Oh, Jesus Christ. Alphacine. Caffeine shampoo. Never heard of it. His hair is looking quite nice these days, Andy. And, uh, you know, that clinic obviously does exceptional work. <sighs> he looks like a hobo with that beard as well, man. He needs to get it shaved off. Well, you know, he hadn't got the beard back in these days, Andy, when he was uh, plugging windows. <laughs> Hi, I'm Floyd Mayweather. Call Love Windows right now. 0800-644-644. Love Windows presents triple glazed windows, only 299 each. Any size, fully fitted, and a 15 years guarantee. Call Love Windows right now at 800 Six triple four, six double four. Remember, call right now. That's a I really need... good deal on Windows. <laughs> I need my you know, free barbecue there, actually. You know the guy he did that for is from Bradford, like me. He's from from around the corner from me, and apparently he's a good mate of Floyd's. Like Floyd came to Bradford and he went to some. Random <laughs> I'm not you joking. He, <laughs> no, check this out, yeah. He came to Bradford and he went to this takeaway. I think it's called uh, Mr. B's or something. And it's on uh, the road where the university is in Bradford. He just came, and they paid him like an extortionate amount of money. And, and honestly, the police had to come out because Great On Road in Bradford was just mental. There was people everywhere. And that is amazing. Sat in this takeaway, and I think they gave him like a parmesan or so chicken parmesan. Remember, <laughs> he was in London. It was, it was, I think he was doing it, um, uh, doing it the Peacock Jimmer, and uh, the whole the whole street was just bouncing. Fo- kids were on top of rooftops, cycling past, and their bikes trying to catch him. And oh, it was just crazy. I was like, man, I can't I was believe, like, he's an international superstar. 
That's what, amazing what, what, that he was in Bradford. What was he doing on a Tuesday night just hanging out down ginger juice? <laughs> drinking fucking porno cocktails or something in the fucking... <laughs> it's, it's like the last story of uh, Roberto Giran in Sheffield looking at the fucking mobile phone with a sheep's cock. I was in Bradford before and I, I went to a place called the Ginger Goose where they were doing porno cocktails and having an order and soul night on a Tuesday. So I'd say if I fucking I probably just missed Floyd by about five minutes. Ben, see, she was in Bradford. Surely you can make up there to Sheffield to innovation. I'll always to get my deal out there. <laughs> Thing I can't understand though, Ben. What was the name of the place in Bradford you said he was? I think it's Mr. B's. I think that's what it was called. So the Mr. <sighs> Mr. B's or, or Mr. T's, it's one of them. I can't remember. And it's on Great Horton Road. Just Thing is, I'm, bit... feel, I'm, I'm feeling a bit betrayed by Floyd because he told me whenever he comes to the UK, the only place he eats is Manjar. I was in Middlesbrough. Amazing. <laughs> Worldwide, don't talk talking shit everywhere, about fucking... UK. It's only one restaurant, Manjaro's. You got to eat there when you come to the UK. That's why I eat every day when I'm in the UK. Money may all day. Hey, Whoa, hey, hey. What's going on? Hey. You, know, you know the funny thing about that is we've got a Manjaro's in Bradford as well. <laughs> hey, you know what, you know what the real funny thing about it is? What's he doing with fucking Patterson's tracksuit on him? <laughs> I think it's the same guy who does the windows got him to come to that takeaway and got him to do that Manjaro's thing. I know they're really close mates because he's always with him whenever they do, you know, these random shit fights now. There we go, Floyd. If anybody has any more Floyd advertisements, then let me know. We'll put them up for Bellie of the Week. Uh, Captain Ian, Captain Chunk 17, shout out to him, give us a nomination for Coogan Cassius. Coogan says, the reason why the Mark Tibbs interview was removed is because I was respectfully asked to remove the interview by Mark Tibbs himself. Thank you, says Coogan. We've already discussed that one at length. I think we'll let Coogan uh, go and rot away somewhere. Dominic Henry, uh, Bellie of the Week for Demetrius, including, uh, accusing Saul of cowardice. Demetrius Andrade on Canelo, not intending to fight him. He's a coward. To me, that's some coward shit. He'll fight Rocky Fielding. What has he done? As far as the excuses to not get in the ring with me, call me a horrible fighter. That's coward shit, Andy. Rocky from Starkey won the fucking prize fighter. <laughs> <laughs> and I predicted he'd be a world champion after he won it. By the fucking way. By the way. By the way, can I just tell you, that was a fake world title. That was a secondary belt that he Fuck won. you. It would have paid if I could have bet on it. Joe, Joe are a horrible fighter, man. Horrible fighter. Joe are a you horrible... fight nobody. You fight nobody. Get the fuck out of here, man. Get out of here, man. I'm going to fuck you out right now. <laughs> he said, fuck you out. People take the piss up and say, dude... Spanish speakers are actually quite hard for me to speak English properly and that. So if you're playing the guy for actually in a, in a situation where he's actually getting a wee bit riled up, I'm like, ah, fuck you up, motherfucker. I tell you what, though, and you're talking about levels of machismo. Canelo got married this weekend, so clearly having a fucking concern about having a mark on his face when he was like, when he saw him, he was like the way Billy Joe serving the drinks that they rob in a tuxedo. He's yeah. like, I better get you out in round nine, motherfucker. I have a. Uh, a stag party to go to. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Billy Joe fair. going to the wrong table. I'm over here. <laughs> <laughs> in, in, in regards to Canelo's English, to be fair, I'll, I'll fuck you up, motherfucker, is far more useful than learning the monkey is on the branch. So... It, <laughs> I, I said it last week, though. This... When, when Canelo speaks, speaks English, it's fucking brilliant. I love it when foreigners speak English and, like, they're trying to... They're trying to <laughs> Trying their best to speak it, but they're just like in full rant mode and bastard and fucking cunt this and the next thing. It's brilliant. I love it. 
Oh yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that wasn't English. That was like Martian. He was talking. Yeah, 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 It's like if James Tony smoked twelve packs of cigarettes a day. Here you go then, boys. By the way, nominated by me, no less. I'm sure other people would agree. Two global stars collide. Floyd Mayweather showdown with social media sensation Logan Paul will be shown live on Sky Sports box office on June the 6th. Oh, they have no shame, do they? Absolutely. No shame. Inferno Price, Josh, Twig. Inferno Twig. Get the Inferno Twig out. Uh, Terry Woodfine, one of his 25 nominations. Uh, Tony Bellew, you are a pathetic excuse for a man. So sick of hearing your stupid opinion, says Terry. Giving uh, Bellew a pat on the back. Bellew praises Joshua. As a Joshua Fury announcement nears, Tony Bellew says uni- unified champion Anthony Joshua is the best, best athlete in the heavyweight division since the great Lennox Lewis. I always think, Matty, this is a bit of a one-sided friendship, as if Bellew thinks he's Joshua's best mate. And Joshua's a bit like, Tony? To- oh, yeah, Tony. Tony, I remember him. It's That's the brilliance of Twitter. You can just, like, tag somebody and act like you're coming to their aid and you're backing them up when really you're just, like, spitting into the fucking infinite void. Um, and I guess, you know, Tony's life post-boxing, I guess that pretty much is what it is, spitting into the infinite void. Oh, Tony's spitting. He will appear soon. Anthony, I'm sorry. Anthony, Anthony come on now. You'll be getting slagged off. Uh, JD Sports nominated by Paul Webb, Press Pass Paul. It's time to find out your boxing goat. Another one of these type of uh, tournament things. And not, no idea what's going on there. Uh, Joe Ringer, three minutes into the Sky Pod with Bellew. And absolutely, already some absolute gold. Everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the face, says Bellew. Whether you're in a boxing ring, on a night out, working in an office, or you're a bin man. <laughs> Who the fuck is punching bin men, Andy? You came back with a quite a neat repost. <laughs> I did. I did that. Rinder Monroe was a bin man. <laughs> uh, Charles, is it Nish Yoka? I think he turned for a world title, eh? British uh-huh. European champion. I was a good lad, Brian Rinder Monroe. He, like, really needs to hope his book and workout videos take off because he's clearly not going to get a job in an office if striking someone in the face because they <laughs> took all the fucking staples is on the table. <laughs> Could be Tony's biggest winner. Either- uh, listen, mates, listen, mates. Once you've, once you've hit KPIs at my level, then we'll talk about offices. See, <laughs> <laughs> we talk about offices and that, right? The absolute rage. There was a film and James McAvoy was in, I forget the name of it, and it was, like, uh, I forget who was on it, but he picks up his keyboard to quit his job, comes out his cubicle with his keyboard and smashes a guy across the fucking face with it, right? And the buttons come off it across the screen and says, fuck you. That would be absolute quality, man. I'd love to do that at some kind of my office because I just do my tits in these days. I if, collect if documents Be- you watch. If, if, if Bellio did that at the office, he'd do it against the interim manager. Lead boss, the lead boss is on sick leave, huh? Sounds like champion and recess material. I, I, I tell you, fuck time. I can't even be bought to get into the, into the Tony Anthony situation. You know, just I can't <laughs> Anthony, can you come and see me in my office, please? My name's Tony. <laughs> Prince Patel, on episode two of Prince Patel Speaks, the king talks about Jake and Logan Paul. Uh, Canelo Saunders and reviews his championship belt collection. Straight fire when the king speaks. I watch and listen. Shout out to Team Boxeo at Team Boxeo on Twitter. He's class, man. He, he, watch, uh, he watches absolutely everything. When, uh, did the gays, when did the gays start handing out title belts? <laughs> That's the Commonwealth title, Matthew. Oh, no shit. Well, there you uh, go. It's also called the gay belt. <laughs> the gay belt. 
Johnny at Sky Johnny Nelson uh, put out a strange advertisement here. G and I love Tails.com so much. I want to share it with you. Tell Tails.com about your dog now and you'll get a whole yummy month of Taylor dog food free delivered for one pound in as little as 72 hours. You know what I'm thinking, Andy? Yeah, Johnny Nelson's not, autobiography. <laughs> probably not the best way to get to endorse a fucking I'm dog food. You. I'm telling yeah. you right now, I actually typed up a tweet in response to that and ended up deleting it because I, <laughs> I didn't have the power to go through it because I was like, I'll get banned if I fucking send this to us. But I was going to say something along the lines is just make sure there's no tradesman kicking about anytime soon, mate. Yeah. I wonder <laughs> who else was in line for that endorsement. Let's not go into that one. Go on, go on. <laughs> you, you start with the dog food royalties and then you move up to the sex toy royalties like Gamboa and that's where yeah, the big right. bucks are. Absolutely. Uh, uh, but Anthony, here he is, the, the bullet 79. <laughs> Leave the lad alone for fuck's sake. Big hitter Tony Bell, who talks reluctantly, you would imagine, to David Walsh in the Sunday Times. Just leave him alone to give um, full feature length spreads, Rob, on a Sunday afternoon. Lance uh, Armstrong's a big fan of David Walsh, by the way. He's this Irish, is, up, isn't he? This is the fella that you've you got to put him up there with the fella that interviewed Bin Laden in his cave from CNN about six months before the fucking <laughs> September 11th. CIA couldn't find him. Your man waltzes in with a newspaper on his arm. Come here, Bin Laden. I have a few notes I want to take down. <laughs> they keep thawing Tony out, don't they, for these interviews? Like he's been cryogenically frozen. Oh, mate, I'm, I'm convinced Bin Laden took fucking escape evasion tactics for fucking Bellew. Like, I'm scared, mate. <laughs> oh, good old Tony. Uh, Andy, you've sent me quite a few this week. Let's get into your yes. videos. First of all, from Dallas, sorry. Texas. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Go on, go on. You reckon when they were writing that article like that fucking Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton were just sitting at a screen looking at it happening? <laughs> we got him. <laughs> in, in Dallas, Texas, there's a whole carnage going down and Earl Spence isn't involved this time. Let's see how the boys... Give the boys a rating if you're watching in the chat, which hopefully you Blame still are. Rangers fans. Ranger, Rangers fans over in Dallas here. <laughs> um, rip, ripping the place up. It's carnage, folks. It's carnage. Let's get it. I got your hat. I got your hat. <laughs> I got you. Run that back. Run that back. Hey, hey, get that shit. Oh, shit. Oh, them boys swearing up. Get that. Oh, oh, my God. Holy fuck. Oh, oh my god! Holy fuck! Holy fuck! Oh my fucking god! Fucking homeboy was showing three hands at the top of the folks' heads and stuff like that. He was to give the fuck eh? so That's that it. So that's from Golovkin. That female cop we saw was like clearing house at the fucking place in America straight right hands. It's a, it, it gives it gives a proof to my theory that if there's a gang of fellas with pale blue shirts and chinos, that one of them can fight and one of them can't. <laughs> it's, just, it's always the rule. That's Donnie out fighting. Uh, let's uh, keep it stateside, everybody. The thugs that they are over in the baseball in Denver, Colorado. There's straight right hey! hands sweeping yeah, here, boys. Straight right hands. Let's go. Is now at third. Tommy Pham, who reached on an error, is at second. Whoo! Feel fairly shallow. <laughs> what a shot! What a shot, man! That's instant, instant sleep. 
that's what we do around kind here. Of a, kind of an unorthodox technique as well. He was more Prince Nazim with the throw. The other guys were a little bit more angry and straight up like, hey, man, let's do it. This all falls into that whole thing where I'm not that impressed if only one person knew they were in a fight. Yeah. <laughs> Steve, Steve's actually got the response for the cops as well in this situation. If you be surprised, oh, yeah. Steve. No, I, I didn't cut that, Andy, but what oh, happened was some, somebody tagged the cops, grass. apparently, as a grass, and the, the cops said that the guy who got knocked out didn't want to press charges, apparently. I think it was something along the lines of, well, we, we, we fronted up, I got knocked the fuck out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, too, like. He hasn't fucking woke up yet. They haven't been able to get him to wake up as charges. He's like Dillian White with the smelling salts in the fight camp, man. I think right. Up at six. I mean, six in the gosh. morning. Imagine, like, clearly, clearly, they two have been having a bit of ding dong back and forward, like, a bit of verbals. Imagine, like, the guy walk up to you, like, that far, like, and throw a, a free punch on you, like that. <laughs> Jesus some, Christ. Some fellas are stupid, though, and they believe in the fair fight, but the last time I see the fair fight is in the fucking Western, so protect yourself at all times. Exactly. Good advice for the listeners. <laughs> I, I will hit a motherfucker in the balls if it's between me and pain. There, there are no real rules in a fight. Yeah, sucker punch territory it was. I think they were expecting a bit of a push and shove with the one guy. Uh, Danny Young, Adam Smith, told Barry Jones last night in commentary, you were a soft puncher. If I were Barry, I would have chinned him and said, was that soft, says Danny Young. <laughs> <laughs> Chinning Bean. Oh, here we go. The dent to the real shit now. Spit Bucket has nominated Christopher Lovejoy. One for you, Ozzy. Now that I think about it, says Lovejoy, someone may have put something in my drink. Lovejoy was spiked. <laughs> Mark Breen is just sitting in the background behind the curtain, just looking out. <laughs> well, I said it all. Um, Lucas Brown has just called out Christopher Lovejoy for a fight, so imagine that. Me, <laughs> two fat slobs getting it on in the ring. Two hundred grand each. Get it on, baby. Uh, yeah, the man himself, Manuel Char, with the KO2 of Christopher Lovejoy. Loads of people nominated this. Thank you to everybody. Graham Taylor was the man who got the screenshot. Let's have a look then, shall we, at what went down at the end, including uh, keep an eye out for Manuel Char's uh, cartwheel of some description. This is a guy with a damaged hip, don't forget, and he looks every inch of someone with a damaged hip. Mahmut Çar neler yapıyor? Sayılırdı sevgili seyirciler. Christopher Lovejoy şu anda yerden kalkabilmiş değil. Görüntüde Mahmut Çar. Ve bitti müsabaka. That could be part of a white people breakdancing compilation. You know you're in a fight when the other guy could do a cartwheel, by the way. You know that way the other guy does a cartwheel at 18 stones. He's not Joe Joyce even doing the Kaipoler in the fucking ring. I guarantee you that. <laughs> we'll not see man. Char again now, Rob, for another three years after that. You're, 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 you're I remember when away with the family for three years now to get his, <laughs> get his mind right. You remember when Monty Barrett tried to flip over the ropes against David Hay? David Hay, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah there was weird. someone else actually as well. Who was it? Oh, uh, didn't Ryan Walsh, one of the Walsh uh, brothers, no, did it? I think. I think it was something totally different. Remember, who's the guy who fought Ashley Sexton again? And he, got, he, he did this big dance going down the ring. Oh, was he Ackman? Mentioned this one earlier, Billy the Fish nominating JD Sports. What an unbelievable undercard that match in boxing has treated us to. Now it's time for the main event. This JD Sports, oh dear. Uh, Danny Garcia's spare toe. Uh, Christopher Lovejoy said two days 
uh, what was it? Uh, two days out to his fight, and they photoshopped it two days until I pull out. Lovejoy wasn't too pleased. He said, I don't pull out. I bust inside. David Yes! <laughs> nominated him for this. Oh, dear. Uh, Lovejoy. Uh, Soccer AM, leave him alone. Uh, who's coming up on Soccer AM tomorrow? Uh, Farrow Williams, Chunks, and it's only Tony Bellew. On Saturday there's something more to say at this point is there like fucking value man he's on everything Jesus Christ no, let me Rob, think of another Rob, boxer Rob he was pressured into this appearance mm. he clearly didn't want to go there but he was pressured he was forced to go on national television yet again talking about what he's been up to I mean we've not seen him for a while so I've well, no doubt it would have been a good watch you know good catch actually, up now, there, there's not enough Anthony to go around he's raging tonight because Everton will beat off Sheffield United all teams to fucking hell yeah. a 17 year old team scored the fucking winning goal holy fuck Andy Andy keep, keep that on your own time mate will you what the oh sorry mate this <laughs> is my own time sorry mate yeah, um, yeah. not that particular listener's time please Andy come on have a bit of respect but now. but, um, but it, I would have been interested it would have been an interesting episode because he talks so much shit about Everton I would have liked to see how he did in the fucking challenge with Jimmy Bullard, see, did he get top bins or not? Like, or is he worth a carrot? Tony, or did Tony he just punch fucking Jimmy Bullard in the face because everybody has a plan until <laughs> they get punched in the face at the office? <laughs> fucking Bellew, man. Fuck's sake. Workout fucking videos. Nutrition fucking adverts, man. He's fucking everywhere. Soccer AM. Remember? Man, he's in Asda as well. <laughs> I, I, I'm, just waiting for the, I'm just waiting for the Anthony Bellew food processor. What was a harder interview to get, Tony Bellew or fucking David Berkowitz? It was, it's a close one. <laughs> you've, got, you've, got, you've got me a chance to interview Al Heyman and you've got fucking Anthony Bellew. <laughs> 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 oh, Paul Dugan, 89, nominated him for that one. Uh, who's this? James. James Windsor has nominated, uh, who is it? So, sources, according to Tim Boxeo again, rematch between Richard, Ivan, El Chachita, Hamadillo, and Gonzalo Lopez Rodriguez is May the 28th in Tijuana after the pair fought to a, a third draw on May the 2nd. What? Yes, this is the same Rodriguez, Andy, who lost by TKA1 to Devin Haney at £130. So, this is a £95 increase what? since he lost to Devin <laughs> He's put He's on a mere ninety-five pounds. Program, he? he must have been on a Mexican meat heavy to get down to fight Haney, man. Yeah. Fucking hell! Holy shit! Anyone also in the house? Make some noise! Shit. He, he looks Rodriguez, well though. He fought Rodriguez in his pro debut or something, and I like, oh, hear this one, right? So he fought. He fought in twenty sixteen, right? That was his second last fight. He fought one hundred twenty-eight and a quarter pounds. He returned to the ring in twenty twenty at two hundred twenty-four and a quarter pounds. COVID, it's been tough on us all. Well, obviously, be. it's <laughs> lockdown belly. Important to, important to remember that Guillermo Jones was once a uh, was once a welterweight, and that James Tony's career weight fluctuated and even one hundred pounds. Correct. You need to go for a big shape, man. Fucking hell. <laughs> Uh, Owen Spillane has nominated Carl Foch according to Odds Changer. Carl Foch said, I teach Rocco, which is his son, how to fight. I even body spar him. I dropped him the other day, left up to the body. His right arm was too high. He's only 10. <laughs> <laughs> you know Carl what? not messing I around. I would, I would believe that. I would believe that, actually. Yeah. 
he's such a fucking narcissist. I bet he fucking did that. Bro- brought him out for ice cream and split the bill as well. <laughs> <laughs> this is, this Rachel, is Rachel came out, bitched, put her down with one, too. This is Carol Froch, who's got a plate of his wife in his, in his kitchen and drinks a cup of tea with his face on, 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 on the side of the cup. So as Ben says, totally narcissistic. He remind, loves to remind us that he knocked out George Grover in front of 80,000 fans, even told Floyd Mayweather. And now he's telling everybody he's just uh, knocked out his son with a fucking body shot. Imagine you know, <laughs> chill services at Dora Mora Mora and imagine. Uh, I, I, I I'm Rockers. actually growing to like him, to be honest with you. I'm growing to like Frox as the years roll on. Like, he is, he's an interesting character. He's very funny. Like, as and, as um, Michael Thompson said, though, mate, he was too big, too strong, too fit for his son. Like, <laughs> I, I, I hope Rocco, uh, as he gets older, is able to sneak a straight one in on that schnoz and fuck up the nose job. Get <laughs> 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 gotcha, you, bitch. <laughs> is it okay? Yeah, can imagine to say your dad has a cock nose? Is that okay? <laughs> <laughs> you can imagine him at the breakfast table with the fucking kid like uh, Ricky Bobby. We have winners in this fucking house. Winners. Come at me like a spider monkey, Rocco. Oh, left touch in the body. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to start calling you Joe Kozagi Rocco if you don't start shit Rocco. Rocco on the cobbles. We can all have a push in a pull, Rocco. We can all have a push in a pull. Nice punch resistance, Rocco Boutte. <laughs> Rocco, Rocco crying. Andre, uh, what result was a, was, was, was a close decision? Oh, sure. Uh, Premier Boxing Champions have already gone through them. We'll nominate them. And uh, AIM sent this in for Lovejoy going on the his 200k. I have one more video I believe here we go. Uh, it is what was that one you sent me, Andy? From oh, what was his name? Teddy Atlas, I think. Oh, hi, but the brave heart comments. Oh, yeah, got it. Got it. Here we go. Here we go. If you run away and you don't fight, you might live and you will live. You'll live, and then years from now, you'll be alone in your bed one night and you'll be wondering what it would have been if for one night, for one day, you would have fought. And you would have had your freedom. And you would have known that nobody owns you. That you're your own man. That you would have known that for that one day, you had greatness. That's, that's kind of what we're talking about here, really. Really, these fighters that make that choice, like Inouye, like Carmen Basilio, like Sugar Ray Leonard, like Muhammad Ali. <laughs> Wow. So do we think Teddy Atlas would have sent Billy Joe back out? <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he missed the end up a wee bit though. He said, you'll never take your fucking freedom, mate. Let's go. Fucking hell, man. Oh, I thought oh, I'd man. put the one with the, the brave heart, but I didn't. But there you go. You get the idea. That was a good one from Teddy there. Yeah. That is all the ones I believe I have then, boys. Uh, any other nominations from you, Andy? Yes, I've got one for uh, Jamel Charlo for calling out Canelo. So he'll be ready in September. Let's make the fight happen. Um, I think the NC was happy to f- fight Golovkin as well as the B side. Uh, why all of a sudden is he coming out saying he's, he's the B side? Any other and, and time, it's like I'm the A side and I'm big payday, big payday. You know how it goes. But I just find it oh, weird. He's all of a sudden. You want payday? I know. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> I would love to see that fight happen, actually, but maybe that. Maybe, if, you know, I, I got told apparently that uh, Canelo's supposed to be releasing his next four fights soon. Uh, Eddie's not got any of them, apparently. That's what I was told. So hopefully he goes to PBC, fights like the Charlo and whoever else have got in the roster there, there, and then he comes back over and just goes up to light heavyweight and just will take it for there, I suppose. But I want to pick Charlo up. 
Um, St. Kovalev's coming back. Uh, had an article that was late last week or early this week. He's re- returned to cruiserweight. So, um, can I see that landing well? Like, if he's, if he's getting iced off middleweights at 175, mm. I can see him getting absolutely decimated at, at yeah. 200. Uh, you know, that's it for me, mate, to be honest with you. I wasn't really kind of clayton too much this week. I've been fucked up the day, like, it's big, massive still. But give a shout out to Matty as well for his, um, his Larry Cole petition. Not getting a lot of signatures, so I've been trying to share it about the place. Not so get the boys signing that if possible as well, please. Can't get Larry the sack. Come on, boys, man. He's he's the gift that keeps on giving. Oh, not only would I like to give him the sack, I'd like to give him two sacks. I'd like to see him get fired, and then I'll teabag him. Sack <laughs> 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 of coal. Oh, Larry oh, getting the boost. Out, baby. I forgot, actually. I've got one more coming in for yeah. um, for Comical Ali, so, uh, a.k.a. Ben Davison, <laughs> uh, for putting out that, that tweet uh, with the picture uh, of him on the pads with Devin Haney. Didn't really say much. Just just put the picture out there, like some sort of, you know, cl- you know, people just to kind of like draw a conclusion for themselves. Is he not training Devin Haney? Do you think? Everybody's thinking that. Obviously, hey, what happens? Devin Haney comes out today or this morning saying, "Look, my dad's still my trainer." So uh, maybe Ben's just been trying to get a wee bit of attention. I don't know what it is. No, um, surely not, Andy. Nah, Come on. I don't think so. Well, mate, listen. I mean, a guy who cuts a boot with a headband though, isn't he looking for a t- isn't he looking for attention? In my opinion, like you know. So just leave the man alone, you know. Absolutely. Talking to people with headbands on. Uh, ben, any nominations from you for Belly of the Week? No, as long as we've got Coogan, Ben et al. in there, then um, then I'm, I'm comfortable. Oh, yeah, we can throw Coogan in, all right. Matty, nominations? Oh, I remember Coogan, Coogan got in touch with Tommy and that. You didn't know what you're talking about. You didn't care what happened. <laughs> yeah. oh, sorry, Coogan, but do you know what happened? Do you he had know his chance with Tommy. Corner? Come on, he had his chance. Yeah. Tommy <laughs> will bite your fucking ear off. Literally, he's done it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Co- Coogan's talking like, like he knows everything, but you weren't in the corner of Coogan. You didn't hear about what was passed, and you get told what you're getting told, you know? <laughs> I, I I got I got nothing, Steve. Uh, I can't add to the richness that has already been provided to us. Uh, a lot of richness it is, Ozzy. Anything from you? No, mate. No problemo. And finally, Rob, any nominations? No, but I think um well, yeah, the Ben Davison one where he where he says uh I think he, he said something about going orthodox. You'll have to check with him, but yeah, he definitely said he was gonna go orthodox, and that's when I said, No, you're gonna get a rematch, and he shook his head. Man, nobody fucking believes that. Like, nobody believes that. And shout out to the listener. I think it was Michael Thompson who put in the chat on your uh, MTK Ultra. <laughs> that was fucking brilliant. Um, so, correct me if I'm wrong, but yeah, yeah. A bizarre week, man, in boxing. Billy Joe was so fucked up between rounds. You tell him to go orthodox, he probably would have said, no, no, I'm Presbyterian. <laughs> shout out to MTK Goebbels. Uh, okay, then. So, oh, I'll tell you what, Andy. Tough one this week. It's between Ben Davison and Love Joy for me. I think it's Ben Davison for me, mate. Sorry, uh, Comico Ali. It's for it's him. So he says, go get his hair uh, dyed black, get a couple of sunbeds, and put the rocky uniform on. They don't know the fucking difference. Yeah, one for Ben Davison. Ozzy, who are you going for? Hi, Burpee Ben. Ooh, Burpee Ben getting a couple there. Looks like Love Joy is going to be pushed out again for the second time this week. Poor old Love Joy, Matty, who are you going for? You know, I uh, Steve, uh, considering as much as he contributed, I I am an Anthony traditionalist. I'm going Bellew for Bellew. I tell you what, he's put in a good a good body of work this week, Matty. He has tried to be fair to him. It, it adds up like body punches. It just adds up down the stretch. 
Good man, Anthony. One for you then. Uh, ben, who are you going for? Ben. Play the, the week, Ben. Is it your namesake? Who's getting it? So yeah, sorry, I was muted. Yeah, I'm going for yeah. It's got to be Ben. And well, for me, it's the video situation thing. You know that whole bollocks that fucking happened. Definitely. And Rob, finally to you. Yeah, Christopher Lovejoy is a tough one to beat, man. Like he's in, he's posting on Instagram. Do I look to how in, on earth did the two of them get two hundred grand a piece for that fight, man? That's. That's a lot of braid, like for Christmas. That's a lot of braid. Like, hey, that's fucking money laundering example. That'll buy you a lot of Tijuana hookers. It's got to be two hundred k in Deutschmarks, Rob. Surely, man. Come I on. don't know what it is. Mexican like, pesos. If you if you if you're fucking around with Don King, I don't think it's going to be worth a lot to you anyway. So <laughs> you might need another fucking two round defeat on to Manuel Char on your record. Who looked in great shape and finished some fairly emphatic finish, but it's hard to look past the the whole fucking Tibbsgate thing. I, this oh, weekend, even though it's not why, funny when you think about it, like it's just why fucking... is Lovejoy? Why is Lovejoy even promoting how much money he got made? He got paid there last night. I mean, Don King's going to take law uh, lawsuits against them, so he keep yeah. it quiet. I'm kind of surprised. Don King fighter... sent us that screenshot. Sir. Yeah, I know. Don... <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm kind of surprised that fighters like haven't like hired a hit on Don King at this point in time. Like you would have figured that you know at some point they would have at least pulled their money. You're not getting him, man. He fucking just pushed the button under the table like Mr. Burns. You're not getting next to fucking Don King. Fuck that. Just panel just slip out from under your feet you're falling Monty to lava Bunch. Keith Monty Richards Bunch. and Don King man they're gonna live for fucking ever Don yeah, King piano, is Monty Bunch playing relief. itself in the background as you plummet to your death oh, fucking <laughs> Lovejoy ain't gonna kill Don King let's be honest Andy he couldn't shoot anything straight judging by last night anyway <laughs> once again no love and no joy <laughs> you remember Don King's like Monty Burns Smithers released the hounds you know I, so think he, he, I, them, you know? I think he just put up that post uh, to get a Get back at Maddie before for calling him a broke ass. Remember? Who's laughing now? Yeah. grand. Fucking Don King's going to take about 194 fucking thousand out. Honorary mention then to Lovejoy. He's been pipped this week, though, by Ben Davison. You are the value of the week for episode 423. Congratulations. Yeah, that's it then, boys. We'll finish up then. Uh, I think anybody else got anything you want to throw in? It's, it's late enough, isn't it? Andy, you've done well tonight. I'll tell you what. Oh, excuse me. I have shit, mate. I'm just sipping on a nice wee whiskey and I'm going to my bed after this. So, whenever you're ready to uh, pull the trigger, I'm ready to go. Absolutely. Going to pull it right now. Thanks to Andy Patterson for jumping on. Ozzy Smith, as always. Matty D. Gelinado. Ben Faruqi, rapping Rob Kelly. We also had Gabe on earlier giving his predictions. Shout out to our beautiful super chatters, Gary French and Jim McDonald Boxing, who both threw us a few pound. Shout out to everybody in the chat. We love you. Everybody listening during the week. Don't forget to hit the like, the subscribe, give us five stars, all those beautiful things. I've been Steve Wellings. We'll play the outro now. We'll catch you all again. Same time, same place next week. And bye. We'll never forget. We want to be honest, yeah. Crying like a little bitch. I've never met a fucking soul that can fight me. I fell asleep. I fell asleep. You're a fucking bum. You're a fucking asshole. Rumpo fucking stealth skin. But allegedly, Oscar Rivas has has failed has failed a test. Seven year old. Seven, you're I'm fucking smash. Fuck are you. I hope you fucking die. Be safe. I love boxing sounds. Simple as that. <laughs> Sports.
Social Podcast Network.